to death that nefesh that's wrong about literally everything. I'm ready to cut loose myself. The Christian experience has to be sacrificed. Mm. You have to have that soldier attitude. I don't care what they think. I'm here to obey the apostolic commandment. I want to fulfill God's will for my life. Which is the favor that Jesus had from his father by being perfect. Amen. Welcome, everybody. Welcome back. It's good to be live from the beehive of fresh honey of heaven. Let the Ophanum honey wheels just roll right into your living room, your cars, your houses, wherever you're watching from around the world today, and just bless you with fresh glory from the throne of Jesus Christ in Jerusalem. Because you know he's nowhere else. We have the testimony of John on Patmos where we see the Lamb of God enthroned in a city. So we need to be careful when we say we're kingdom and we're not leading people to that city where the Lamb's enthroned. The kingdom is only Jerusalem. I've searched the New Testament, read it utterly hundreds and hundreds of times, and I've never seen a kingdom of heaven of the apostles and the Lamb of God anywhere other than Jerusalem in the Bible. It's just not there. And so if people are teaching kingdom, preaching kingdom, evangelizing kingdom, and leading people to Jesus, just make sure they're leading him and them and teaching and preaching to the Jerusalem above that's the only kingdom in the entire New Testament, in all the scriptures. We got so much zeal down here. There's so much energy down here. Jesus Christ at his second coming be like giving and taking in marriage. You ever been to giving and taking in marriage? That's the height of excitement of human beings. It's like, oh, I'm getting married. And they're like, oh, I got a beautiful wife. I got a beautiful husband. It's the maximum excitement of the human being, right? <laughs> and Jesus Christ said that's how it's going to be at the end. There'll be maximum human excitement about those types of human things. And he wasn't speaking of it in a positive way. He said it'll be like the judgment of Noah, where they were having celebrations, doing their own thing out here in human activity, up until the time the ark and the door of the ark of Noah was closed. Jesus Christ, red letters right? So there'll be the maximum intensity of human beings for human pleasure up until the time the last soul has chosen to ascend from the dust of the earth to the sapphire stone of the moon and stand on the moon, Revelation 12, 1. Amen. Amen. So I believe the Bob Jones prophecy of these times is a one billion soul harvest of believers in Jesus Christ, followers of Messiah, that will go up into the Jerusalem above that's made out of sapphire stones. The Jerusalem above, that each stone is a living stone that's bringing the innovative words of Torah like a stone that speaks, right? Now, the Bible says God builds with living stones. Now, what, what are stones? Well, the stone the builders rejected has become the chief and cornerstone. So, what is the stone that the builders rejected? I tell you the truth, it's the brain of Jesus Christ. What's a new stone with a white name on it? It's a, it's a glorified brain that utters 
mysteries and revelations of the kingdom of heaven from above. To them I speak in parables and riddles and dark speech, Jesus Christ said. But to you, disciples, my brothers, my sisters, my friends, I speak in mysteries. I give you the secrets and the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them, ever hearing, never perceiving. But to you, mysteries and secrets. It is written. So how do we get into the mysteries and the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of Jerusalem above that comes down like a scroll? You know what the scroll of the Jerusalem that comes down is? The teaching of those stones, and he's building with your stone, as it's written, you're transfigured by the renewing of your stone, your brain. Now, what brain releases water? He struck that rock and the water poured out. You know what he struck? Christ. Wasn't Christ afflicted for your healing? Now, Christ is that rock, and we drank from that rock, which was Christ, it is written. Now, if we strike your brain, is water going to come out tonight? Living water? Figuratively speaking, no one's going to hit you with a stick unless you're amongst carnal Christians. But if you're around real Christians, real Messianic Jews of Torah above that created the heavens and the earth by the Holy Ghost, when the word comes forth, it will strike the mind. Because let him who has ears to hear, hear what the Spirit's saying to the churches. In order to hear, your brain has to be tuned in. Stephen with the glowing face said, Your ears are always stopped up with serpents. They couldn't hear what the Holy Spirit was saying. They were only listening to demons. Therefore they were carrying, as a synagogue of Satan, the tabernacle of Moloch, Acts chapter 7, it is written. We need to be careful that we're only hearing and being instructed from the very throne of God in all our Christianity each day. My sheep hear, it is written. What does it mean to be a sheep? The ability that your brain can use those ears attached to it, ears right outside your brain, to hear God. This is not like advanced prophetics for the mystics. This is day one born again, Jesus Christ said. This is when you get born again, the evidence that you're born again. The evidence that you're a sheep, a lamb. Someone who's being corralled by him, cared for by him, fed by him, watered by him, led by him, fed by him, taught of him, shaped by him. The evidence of that is one thing, he said, the ability to hear his voice and in hearing today not harden your hearts. So that salvation comes by hearing, hearing by the the word, the Torah of Yadavave, the word of God tattooed on his right leg, on his netzah. Amen. Coming down sapphire stones today, the ability to hear the word that comes down from God. If you can only hear the sand word, the dust word, the earthly word, you're tuned in to the demon. To the religious spirit. That's why they tune in and they're like, I don't understand one word he's saying tonight. Now we love you, but let this word change you because your brain is of the brain of the goat of his left hand. We need our brains of the sheep of his right hand. As it's written, all the goats who can't hear with their brain will be on my left, which is Esau. And all the sheep that can hear with their brain 
will be on my right, which is Israel, Jacob, his tender lamb of the twelve tribes that are written in Revelation that make up the very gates of Jerusalem where he's enthroned right now. Amen? So the ability to even hear the eternal gospel of the angel releasing it to you over your heads right now into your senses and into your brains and into your entire being, that it's a real preaching of the eternal gospel. The evidence of that is that it's coming down. It's not just an earthly word uttered by a man. In the first coming of Jesus Christ, they had in Israel the ability to discern if the teaching was from man or the teaching was from Yadevave, which is God. The name of God is Yad, He, Vav, He in ancient Hebrew, and they knew that. Did it come down from Yad, He, Vav, He in Torah, or was it this earthly dust that was serpentine religion? Right? That's what the questions asked in the gospel. John's baptism, was it from serpentine dust of human beings? Was it just some earthly serpent dust? Or did it come down from sapphire stones, yad he vav he? And the Pharisees were afraid of the people because they believed that John in his baptism had come down from the instruction of angels, which is God, yad he vav he. You will see angels ascending and descending. That was the evidence of, to Nathaniel a Jew in whom there was no guile, that he was the Messiah of Yarevave. The Messiah of Yarevave, what's the evidence that he has come down from the sapphire stones, that it's not born of man, so to speak, or born of woman, so to speak, but born of God. Was Messiah born of God, created of God, conceived of the Holy Spirit of God? Was Jesus of Nazareth conceived by the glory cloud that overshadowed Mary? Archangel Gabriel appeared to the young girl and said, A glory cloud will overshadow you. I am Gabriel. That's what it says. Yarevave Gabriel. And I stand in the presence of Yarevave. Because you have believed this, blessed are you amongst all women. This is what Gabriel said to Mary in the Bible. Because you were able to receive this instruction from an archangel, <laughs> blessed are you, for you will be with child, and this will not be an ordinary child. For what will be inside your womb will be the son of Yarevave. See, when you say Yarevave, you think coming down sapphire stones because you're, you've been taught righteousness. When you're in Christian dirt, and when you're in just serpentine dust, when you hear God, you don't even think how it comes down from heaven. But in that ancient Israeli culture, that's how they thought. That's Jewish thought life. That's ancient Hebrew thought life. If it's from dirt and dust and human beings, it's serpentine. This is what discerning hell and heaven is. Can you discern serpentine dust? Or can you discern coming down the path of lightnings? Do you understand Everyone understood in that ancient culture this principle. 
You'd be hard to find 10 Christians in America that even can fathom this concept right now because we're so far removed from that messianic culture, the culture of his coming, the culture of his presence, his parousia, which is the word for first coming in the New Testament. Now we need to enculturate you, which is the apostolic nature of Messiah Jesus Christ, in his second parousia, his second coming, which is make you ready. Ready to discern and understand how God thinks and operates with his ministering angels ascending and descending through sapphire stones in everything God has ever done since the creation of the world. Do you think God's going to do a new thing in this day? No, you're going to awaken to how he has always been. It's not like he's doing a new thing. It's you awakening to the same thing he's always been, as it's written. God, Yarevave, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It is written, I am Yarevave, and I change not. That's Torah. I am that I am, and I never change. The only thing that needs to change, which is called repentance, is us. Mainly, says the Lord, in your ability to hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Where are these churches? They're on the earth. To the seven churches of Asia Minor only? Oh, no, no, no. They symbolize in these days every Christian church that loves Jesus Christ in the entire world. The churches of all nations. And it's not even about having a big international ministry. No one with the angels cares about any of that. They're not caring about fame. They don't care about notoriety. If you have not yet lost your respectability and your dignity, you are not yet a servant of Yarevave at all. You'll be controlled by what men and women think, what YouTube thinks, what culture thinks, everything that thinks in the world stinks in the world and ends up a manure pile to be burned into Gehenna. But if you go into the ancient word of God that created the heavens, the sun and the moon and the stars, and you get with the holy angels and you get right, and you learn how to practice His presence more valuable than anything else in your entire life, more important than you, more important than anything you could imagine, hope, or pray for, is learning how to pray. Teach us how to pray. What does that mean? How to live in your presence all the time. The practice of the presence of God is the prayer without ceasing. Write that down, type it in the comment section. The practice of the presence of God is the learning how to pray without ceasing. You pray when you sleep. You pray while you're eating. Eating is prayer. Under Yarevave, is there one activity in the temple of the Holy Ghost that's not prayer? If in fact your bodies are consecrated temples to the Holy Ghost, and they will be in the coming days, otherwise you wouldn't be here right now. Oh yeah, it increases the Shekinah. Mm. When you eat like that, it increases the Shekinah. 
if you eat in the demonic, it's like a idolatry of food and gluttony or like a shame. You might feel like guilt, shame, fear, you know, like, you know, regret. Why did I eat so much Taco Bell? <laughs> I think I sinned. Yeah, time the diarrhea since Easter's. And that's the, like the scourging of the diarrhea of overeating Taco Bell. I mean, who he hasn't done there? He scourges those he loves. <laughs> So that you can repent. <laughs> Especially with a little psyllium husk. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. But when you eat in the Holy Ghost, it is a form of prayer, and you'll notice that it increases the Shekinah. Now, how do you know that the Shekinah is increasing when you're eating? If it's a question, if you're not able to perceive, then you're not able to see yet on sapphire stones. So it's going to become a very normal thing for each and every one of you to see the physical, invisible Shekinah emanations. You can see it come out of your hands when you pray, or you're going to unstop that fountain. It's going to start coming out of your hands usually first until it's a fountain, until everywhere you go, you're like a rain cloud. When I first started becoming a rain cloud, I noticed it's not just coming out of my hands and my belly anymore. Now, everywhere I look, it looks like we're underwater and it's raining and it looks like a cloud. Everything and washed it's, it's from just, the So when you go and then you go into like a condensed room, like you know, and the door is closed, and then it's just billowing. You can see it. That's the cloud. That's the glory. And so when you see that substance coming out of your hands, you know you can see it. Now, you do it by faith before you begin to feel and see and perceive. Right? On hearing the word, you believe it, you embrace it, and it starts usually as a trickle. I remember hearing Brandon teach on that a long time ago. It starts as a trickle. And when you just kind of get that pump going, uh, the Lord reminded me, uh, my dad made a pond when we were, you know, the DIY pond kit, shovel in a backyard, you know. And so you go help dig the pond, and you want to make a little waterfall. You know, it's relaxing. You put fish in there, little lily pad flower. We got some koi fish. I love the koi fish. were amazing. And uh, the goldfish. I learned how to rent a little small side trail, trail. Even goldfish. If there's hope for goldfish to be trained... They have the worst short-term memory loss ever. They don't have a whole lot going on up here. But I consistently, by training them with food, taught them how to not be afraid of humans, and they would all swim in schools at the same time and come to be hand-fed. So you can train them to be hand-fed. Uh, goldfish, anyway. If you're consistent with their feeding, you can train them. Mm. And so I thought, Ezekiel if you... Ezekiel 47, we're all fish in his river. Yeah. Oh, and also, scribes, for your notes, when you think uh, nefesh, think fish, swarms, waters, soul. Okay, so that's kind of like a... And when you think, like, the fowl of the air or birds, think angelic, yes. think, you know, heavens. So you have nefesh, and then you have, like, the fowl or the birds. And that doesn't mean, oh, foul bird. It just mm -hmm. means angelic or a supernal soul. Holy angels only. Mm -hmm. Yep. So, like, when you get a neshama, that's that upper realm. Where nefesh is kind of that lower realm. And that ruah, spirit, breath of God, think tifret. And your ascension upward through circumcising. Your ruah is already the latter. Remember the tongues of fire resting on their heads. In the book of Enoch, he talks about stepping into the tongues of fire. So if it's on top of the head, mm. which is representing on top of the Keter, that means as soon as you get up to Keter, the first world, you start to step into the Ruah, you go up the ladder, and then you go into the greater house, 
right? You get you go into those realms where you can get a neshama, and you know who will be a ladder. You climb the rungs, Christ within you, hidden stairway of the heart. All those mysteries, it, it's just there. Okay. What were we gonna say? Oh yeah, pool. This is the, the substance. You can see it. Uh, the Holy Spirit reminded me. The Lord showed me. Hey, you remember when your dad built that uh, pond? You dig it and make a little fountain with the rocks and a little tarp, the lining. How did he get the waterfall going? We had a pump. But it was one of those at first, you know, just kind of an old primitive pump. You know when you got the ones you kind of got to suck on them to get it started? Do you guys, some of you guys know what I'm talking about? Siphoning. You got to, yeah. You got to, to get it going, but We're you got to time it. siphoning Jesus right now. <laughs> That's a good word. And uh, so it's not, it's dirty pond water. Right? So you don't want to breathe it in, and you certainly don't want to drink Ooh. it on accident. I remember so siphoning time... my old fish tank. Man, that water. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> so the timing. Day fast after that. Yeah. The timing has to be exact, because if you stop sucking on it too soon, it doesn't go. But if you wait too long, I don't know what you're going to get. And it's going to be pretty. Goldfish dung. Oh, that's rough. A mouthful of Ugh. old fish scales and fish manure. Yeah, we were picking bugs and throwing bugs in there, you know, the little June beetles. Get off my plants, throw it to the goldfish and watch them eat them alive. Oh, you know. That ain't crystal clear, sparkling <laughs> living waters. It's backyard, backwoods, but you, pond but water. But think about drinking from flesh. <laughs> it's like that. And it's interesting that you say that because that's a great comparison of drinking from the earthly versus drinking from Jesus in the flesh in heavenly Jerusalem right now where he's enthroned in Zion in the fullness of the Father's Shekinah glory as it's written. So you're still drinking from a man. Think about it. You're When you receive the river of life, if you're receiving instruction, receiving the Holy Spirit not once, constantly, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is an ever-increasing Holy Spirit, up every rung of glory as the river comes down, described in Revelation 22. So you're drinking from a man, a Jewish man, the Messiah, Jesus Christ, in the flesh. But there's no toxins in it. There's no manure in it. There's no urine in it. It's totally different, isn't it? But you have to believe, if you're a Christian, you're drinking from a man's flesh. Eat my flesh, drink my blood, otherwise you cannot even be a Christian, John 6 says. You can't be saved unless you're receiving that substance that's coming from a man. So we like to often think, you know, it's just some ether flying around out here. We end up yoking ourselves to angels of light that deceive because we get into Gnostic heresy. That's when you get an actual urine. Right. The demon begins to possess a person because they can't wrap their minds around how Jesus Christ is perfect flesh that you can drink from the substance of the river of life. But that is what the gospel is. The gospel is a river that comes from a man's body that's in a celestial perfect bone and marrow. He says he's in the bone. Uh, spirits don't have flesh and bone as I do. That was his gospel after he was raised from the dead. Spirits don't have flesh and bones as I do. He allowed Thomas to stick his finger all the way into the side where the Roman spear went into his side and, and pierced his heart for the blood and, and the water to separate when he was speared on the cross. 
the hole was still there, but it was healed, but he could stick his finger in his holes. He says, touch and put your finger in the hole of my speared side, Thomas. Like Jesus is not shy. He, he's, he wants you to embrace his flesh in a way that washes you. That's truly what the gospel is, learning how to stay clean by what the Lamb affords. What did the Lamb of God purchase? Why is he called Messiah? What is the Christ? I don't think we even really get it today in Christianity. It's the ability of the priesthood of Leviticus fulfilled in Messiah to always be clean and not have to do 10,000 rituals like the Old Testament priests and the nation Israel every day of 486 things that you have to do to be clean in the day, right? So now through the Lamb, if you're engaging in Torah, Jesus is the Torah of Yadavah. John 1.1, 1, 1. what's the gospel? Jesus is the Torah. The Lamb is the Torah that makes clean. Everything in Torah Everything in the tribe of Levi, everything truly, if you have true Messianic Judaism, is about clean. Jesus Christ said to his disciples, you're clean by the words that I've spoken to you. Oh man, I wrote that in the notes for tonight too. <laughs> All right. We well, might get into some teaching if we have time. Amen. Oh, that's so crazy. Oh. So he wants to clean people. I can see, yeah. I saw a vision of it when we were doing praise and worship. Really wonderful time nice. in the peace of Jerusalem during praise and worship with the, the audience here in the studio. Mm, and there was such a peace. God wants to establish you in the city of peace, which is a habitation of living and abiding in his word. Living and abiding in his blood. Living and abiding in his flesh. <laughs> Flesh of my flesh, bone of my bone, blood of my blood, water of my water. Truly, that's what it means to be a Christ one or a Christian or Messianic. Amen? Mm -hmm. In Antioch, where they were first called Christians, and nowadays we don't even understand what it means to be Messianic or the word Christian comes from being a Christ one. You say that now, they'll kick you out of a church. You say only Jesus is the Christ. Well, that's what the actual definition of Christian is, is that you're a Messiah or you're a Christ. Right? And then all the apostles ran with it. Okay, we're Messiahs, we're Christ. We're like, oh no, only Jesus. That's not even written in the New Testament. That's not true. Now, you, you have so many religious spirits and the dust and the serpents hanging off everyone's heads down here coming out of Jezebel's tower. We're like, well, I don't know, only one Messiah. That's not anywhere in the New Testament or Old Testament. It's not. The whole purpose of Messiah is to replicate to multiply. Metamorphosis, the term of a caterpillar becoming a butterfly, the only purpose of a butterfly, if you understand science, is for multiplication. God doesn't want one Jesus. No. Jesus was the most common name in Israel. God wants one billion Jesuses. Firstborn amongst many brothers and sisters of the exact same nature. The Bible says, if you read the Bible, is he the only Jesus? Well, brother, that's really sketchy stuff. No, you're in the sketchy stuff. That's why the demons in your brain get nervous. You're already coming out of the sketchiest stuff of the dust of the serpentine doctrines of the Laodicean church. You can't get more sketchy than being earthly. Being earthly is as sketchy 
as it gets. If you understand the ancient culture of Israel, to be earthly of the dust of the earth was to be entirely serpentine. We go to synagogue, we go to temple, because we understand the curse of the fall. Consider the heights in which you've fallen, it is written. And if you just have some kind of traditional religious Christianity and it's about something else other than going into heaven, you know, the gospel's not for you. Go practice religion somewhere else, but don't call it Christianity. Call it paganism, because that's what it is. True Christianity is producing many Jesuses, Christians, after his own kind. Well, that really makes the line narrow. We, we might start worshiping man. There's no man in Christ. So that argument doesn't exist if you're actually in true apostolic teaching. I don't know what kind of teaching y'all coming out of, but there's no man in Messiah. That messianic teaching is entirely God. You better believe that the Messiah is fully God. And his teaching is God's teaching. God's word is not man's word. Man's word is from the serpentine dust. God's word comes down the path of lightnings with the archangels, like Gabriel talking to Mary. Every time God speaks, and what is he saying? Listen to what the Spirit is saying. What is the Spirit saying? The teachings of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. That's why it says, come and drink. Well, where are you coming to? He just told you the foundations and the walls are the twelve apostles in the same book of Revelation. We're out here with non-apostolic Christian garbage, and we think we're going to come somewhere, go somewhere, do something. You'll never enter the kingdom in a hundred million years unless you go through this, those names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. You can claim Jesus, the blood of Jesus, water of Jesus. Jesus is the only one. Well, all those people are chanting that outside the gates. Because the gates don't have his name on it. If you read the Bible, the gates have the names of the twelve tribes of Israel. Old Testament on it. Right? Book of Revelation, y'all read it? So Jesus' name is not there. So you have a hundred million charismatic, crazy nut jobs down here. Truth anyhow. We love you, but it's true. You're insane. Claiming Jesus, but not even understanding how to get in Jerusalem, the kingdom of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Isn't that exactly what you deal with all the Christianity you ever dealt with in your entire life? It's time to end the madness of the circus show of Jezebel, the false prophet, she who calls herself inspired, but is a liar, an imposter, and a deceiver, which is what you deal with when you come into the zealous charismatic things of Jesus Christ. And you're still outside the city gates. It's still not about Jerusalem, the only mention of the kingdom in the entire New Testament. It's still not about the apostolic structure of foundations and walls. These so-called apostles out here, I see them, they're a dime a dozen. They all have name tags in front of them. They all call themselves apostles and leaders. I don't even doubt the apostolic calling because that's the most common, common calling. It's true. The apostolic is the most common of, common of the fivefold. Truth, anyhow. I don't doubt that. What I doubt is you have enough wisdom to understand how to be an apostle of the very walls and foundations of the kingdom of Jerusalem in Revelation so that when people listen to the apostolic teaching and preaching coming forth through your souls, they can actually go up into the kingdom on sapphire stones. That's what I know you don't have. So we have like thousands of apostolic babies and these men and women are often in their 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s and they think they're really mature because they're really old. How many of y'all know that don't matter? 
Jesus Christ still 33, Stephen in his lower 30s, when the apostles took over Jerusalem in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, they were in their lower 20s. Some of them were in their teenage years. Wake up. So you're talking about the rulers of the universe in Acts 2. These men were not in their 30s. They were, John was the youngest. Most scholars believe John was only 18 years old. He was the baby, the youngest one out of the whole group. And Peter was probably the oldest, is what I've studied from scholars in five years of Bible college, tens of thousands of hours studying the scriptures and studying church history, that Peter was the oldest and John was the youngest. But they weren't that old. They were like late teens, early 20s, and God was anointing them apostolic government of the universe nowadays if you don't have gray hair and you haven't been around 50 years of charismatic dirt and dust flinging you can't be a leader outside Jerusalem's walls and not a single one of them in the history of this charismatic church to this day is leading people accurately into Jerusalem why because they're not mature enough to teach righteousness They're still in the elementary things of Hebrews 6 because God will never permit a person to go beyond the elementary things, which is the foundations of how to go from earth in the spirit and power of Elijah into the heavens. Right? Elijah, the heavens were created for Elijah. Elijah went into the heavens. Yeah? He's not on earth anymore. You understand and read the Bible. He flew into the heavens. Amen? Amen? How did he fly into the heavens? His teaching. Because of his teaching. What what Elijah believed, his Torah, accredited to him a chariot of fire. It's not like, oh, just so much grace. No, it's not that at all. You're totally deceived. Mostly merit. Grace for infants in Christ to get you in the kingdom and now if you read Revelation 22 you shouldn't be an infant 2,000 years later I'm coming back with rewards according to merit Revelation 22 red letters Jesus Christ says it you talk about merit and not grace and obedience to the law amongst this hyper grace Laodicean church of false Christianity nowadays they'll weep and gnash their teeth at you they've strayed from grace no You've strayed from grace. You're in universalism and hyper-grace, teaching stuff outside of the foundations and the walls and the pearls of heavenly Jerusalem, which is outside the kingdom. Most of these people have taken the elementary things and the things of those inside the walls, stealing from me oftentimes. You see them hundreds of times. They'll come around just long enough and learn righteousness to create their own ministries. And they block me on Facebook. It's happened to me over a hundred times of these ministries out there that steal all my righteousness and pretend like it's their own, then teach in their own ministry they made up with. They get their own 501c3. Oh, yes. I've seen this over 100 times since Mm -hmm. I started full-time ministry. They learn the truth, then they take it and turn it into a business for profit outside the walls of Jerusalem. Those men are the hirelings that Jesus Christ warned about in the gospel. They don't care about the kingdom. Do you think they're telling you the truth? The truth they're telling you, they're selling it to you. The truth they're telling you, they don't even know it because it didn't even come from their heart. 
It usually came from some apostolic mm-hmm. heart that they forsook and betrayed years mm-hmm. ago. And most of these people are so thirsty and hungry, like sheep without a shepherd out here in the world right now. They'll eat and drink anything that sounds like truth and comes in the name of Jesus, except except from the actual source of maturity that they've been stealing from the entire time. And if you've been around for years, you know that's the truth anyhow. Mm-hmm. Are you angry about it? Not at all. I come with the shout of the archangel from the city of peace, Jerusalem. That's what Jerusalem means. There is a shout. It's a shout of triumph. It's a shout of joy. It's a shout of judgment. Don't be deceived. It's a shout of scourging, rebuke, correction, conviction. They will wail, lament, mourn, and beat their breasts because they murdered him. Who do you think he's talking about? Charismatic Christians. Pentecostal Christians, speaking in tongues Christians, have all the stuff of God, all the glory of God. They'll have the glory of God too, no doubt about it. But they'll still be outside the gates not knowing anything about the kingdom. They don't even know where the kingdom is. Ask them how to get into the kingdom. None of them have a GPS. None of them even know the name of God. Hide them in your name. They don't know the name of God. It's a mystery to them. They don't see angels ascending and descending. They don't understand Jerusalem as the kingdom and the promised land. Now, I'm not saying this to shame the ones that are learning, but it should be a shame for those that are selling things that they've stolen from Jerusalem, because it's not like you've just stolen from Rebecca and I, but you have. You've stolen from Jesus Christ, the King of Israel, like Judas Iscariot who tried to make the things of Messiah mm. his own. He's in my notes for today, too. We might have to get in some teaching tonight, too. This is, we didn't plan any of this. I was just making my notes. There's teaching in the preaching. Man. Come and see. It's getting exciting. So they're thieves. Jesus Christ said, Store up treasures in heaven where thief does not break in and steal, where moth cannot corrupt and rust cannot corrupt. Well, you know where he's talking about, right? The moon, the sun, and the stars. Torah. You have in a delusional thought life of a demon spirit in your brain that needs to be circumcised off your head the idea that storing up things in heaven is a make-believe place of your imagination. That, my friends, is the Tower of Jezebel, the Tower of the False Prophet, where you close your eyes and you just try hard to imagine a place that ain't Torah. It's nonsense. That's the False Prophet. (laughs) You don't need scripture for that. Just be creative. Just go out here with a New Ager and have a yoga festival or a seance. Lay down and and soak it up from whatever things flowing in the atmosphere and be creative. You don't need Torah for that. You don't need God for that. You can be a lost pagan demon for that. What you do need is the Torah, which is the creation story of how everything actually exists through stars and sun and moon called government. The order of righteousness, the order of Melchizedek is Salem. It is written, Genesis 14, after Abraham had killed five kings, representing the five human senses, he went back and met with a man called the king of Salem. There was no Jebusite, so it wasn't called Jerusalem. The Jebusites didn't exist yet. So it was Melchizedek's Salem in Genesis 14. And after he had killed his five senses, and they all went down into tar pits, which means he counted the earthly as a dung heap. 
the temporal and the natural, as worthless. Abraham, the father of all faith, and you're in the Abrahamic covenant now, if you are children of his faith. Why is it important to be his faith? Because he's the one that made the covenant with Melchizedek, the very city of our promised land in the book of Revelation. Not a different Gentile one or American one or the one made up in a human being's imagination. The same exact one. Amen? And it has to be the same exact one. Other ones, otherwise, it doesn't do anything to demons. It won't harm religion. It won't harm rebellion. It won't harm idolatry. It won't harm immorality. And if you're into that, the devil has no threat by your existence and you'll have no persecution. You'll have no misunderstanding. You'll have no attackers. You'll have no haters. You're just loved by everyone. What did Jesus Christ say about those that are loved by everyone? False prophets. Matthew 5. Those that are loved by everyone were the false prophets. Matthew 5, it is written, Woe to you who are loved and accepted by everyone, because that's how the false prophets are. Jesus Christ read letters. But... If you are my teacher, if you are my students, and I'm your teacher, and a student is not greater than his teacher, they're going to lie about you. They're going to mistreat you. Where is that written? Matthew 5, Sermon on the Mount. If they treated the Master this way, the Lord, Yadavave, the Messiah this way, oh, they're going to treat the real Christians that way, not just because they're stirring up controversy with token the ghosts and getting drunk in the glory. No, none of that. Because they expose your Christianity as human. Serpentine dust and a total waste of time and a system of the fallen angels in the guise of Christianity. And if the fallen angel gets exposed, everything in darkness brought into the light of Torah, he doesn't have a kingdom to confuse and deceive and rip off human beings. And that is the greatest threat to the demonic in existence, that a person becomes a true priest of the city of Melchizedek and a child of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Israel, and the twelve tribes of Israel, the patriarchs, and the twelve apostles of the Lamb in the city of the promised land with the same name today as it had 3,000 years ago, Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Oh, how I long to brood over you like a brooding mother hen, but you are not willing. So, what did he do? He went to the unwilling. It wasn't like, well, you rejected me, I'm just going somewhere else. No, he went to them, and they brutally murdered him. So, if you come from Jesus Christ, are you going to be attacked? They'll murder you in their hearts. All of you have murdered me in your hearts one time, some of you hundreds of times. Some of you betray so often, it's like you got punch cards of betrayal. <laughs> punch cards. It's the seasonal betrayal of Brandon. Around the mountain is murder him, murder, 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 murder. But you do it in your heart so you don't think it's a big deal. Catching up to the pumpkin spice sales at Starbucks. 20 murders of the prophet the and you get a free program. murder on the 21st murder. Oh. And that hits a little close to home for a lot of you, but someone say, truth anyhow. Just add in, then just add in the little bless their heart. I'm praying for them, and then it's just fine, right? Just oh, yeah, yeah. I'm praying, for, I'm praying for you, I'm the murderers. The murderers. I'm prayers. forgiving them. Listen, when you come up the mountain, you know who gets murdered? You do, Buckwheat. I'm oh. crucified with Christ. Instead of being a murderer, you're the murdered. Hello? 
Are you picking up your cross and following him? Guess what the evidence of? You are being murdered by sinners. If you are not being murdered by sinners, now you don't need to look for it. Just carry the cross, which is the teachings of Messiah. <laughs> That's what the cross is. It's a teaching. Well, how do you know it's a teaching? Because you just heard it into your ears. A teacher is teaching you a teaching. And it's a cross. And if you reject the teaching, you reject the cross. That's how the cross works. It's not you going to Home Depot and buying two by fours or four by fours. Or going to the Middle East and Jerusalem, kicking up dust and dirt and chopping down a mango tree. And we're like, oh, this is where Jesus had a cross. No, 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 it's a teaching. You go to that, you still go to hell. You go to Jerusalem 50 times, you still go to hell. If you don't believe the teachings of Messiah, there's no salvation in you. As it's written, anyone that does not follow the teachings of the Messiah, one like me who comes after me, will be utterly cut off from Israel. Cut off from Israel, Moses said. Cut off from Christianity, Moses said. You know, Christianity is the same thing as Israel. <gasps> you're like, well, it's the Jewish people down below. No, you're augured. You're augured right now by Jewish sorcery that's not Judaism at all. Oh, yeah. We were just <laughs> looking today at oral tradition that said that even Abraham almost messed up his destiny stuff because he was looking at the augury of nested birds or something like that and that's why you know there was the whole kind of ishmael situation going on you know sarah had her issues abraham had his issues but according to the um false cosmic which is you know augury signs external um divinations things like that it was just very common knowledge back then especially for anyone who was anybody they were into you know the stars the birds nesting, all the little things that they were doing. And based on the external stars and signs, he, there was no seed coming from Abraham. But what was God's promise? It superseded his apparent, natural, soulish destiny written in the stars or divined through whatever you know, the fallen angels have taught, had taught at the time. So that was the kind of the common wisdom, the astrological, astron you know, wisdom was to see these things and now you have people like birth what's your birth chart and stars and your zodiac sign and da, da, da. it was i think it was a lot more advanced back then now it's kind of like what you got on pop sugar like what's my or you know you go to people go to the bar what's your sign you know you know it's just very like basic mm. generally but it was more well known back then so he was able to divine that he wasn't having any seed so are you looking at the stars are you just like, oh yeah, and the stars, and Abraham, and and blah, 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 and this is, you know, when people are prophesying to you from an external realm, you're not likely to be hearing very accurately, especially if they're under Jezebel's tower. So what happens is a lot of those prophecies that people give under the external starlight and Jezebel's tower, they li actually have limited you by saying, this is your destiny and this is what you have to do. When God might be saying something completely different and saying, actually, Abraham, you're going to have a son. It's going to be a holy seed line. The mm. whole Hagar thing didn't even have to happen, really. And so, you know, they talk about Sarah, they talk about Abraham, but it's just really one of the deep-rooted uh, Jewish beliefs about 
Yadhe Vavhe, God, Creator God, is that the Jews are not subject to living under the stars. Normal people and their destinies, what star you're born under, what bloodline you're born into, that's the limitation of a soul. If all you live is a soulish life, whether nefesh or uncircumcised ruah, right? Because if you're uncircumcised, you're not a Jew. Only true Jews live above the stars, right? The, the sapphire stones, the sphere of the zodiac, that's a level that you surpass on your way up Jacob's ladder. Whose right is it to be above the zodiac? What does that mean? Okay, so you know how in out external Christian, just outer courts, I know I grew up there, they say, don't read Zodiac stuff. It's witchcraft. You shouldn't be going to like mm -hmm. crystal balls and tarot readings. And you try to be a good Christian. Zodiacs in scripture several times, actually. Right. And so that's your upbringing. That was my upbringing, right? Don't look into the stars and this and that because it's all just like witchcraft. And obviously, you know, they have the... You remember the channels back in the early 2000s and the 90s, the lady with the, the call-in and you know, your friends call and talk to the people or whatever? You know, that's obviously a bunch of crap, right? But then why is it when you go, because I would go and I'd look at the uh, very quality books or people who actually know astrology. They don't pay to get lied to. They're everywhere. Mm -hmm. So I looked for the highest quality books I could find in like actual physical libraries on the best astrology and I look to see the people that I would know and understand their soulish behavior the best and I would find out what their sign was so I did a little bit of research I said alright Holy Spirit why don't you show me what's going on with all this this is before I went cosmic why is this whole realm a thing what's going on here and you know John Paul Jackson he got to go into some of those realms to expose it and I felt a lot of grace to go and do this so I went on an adventure with the Holy Ghost into these realms and I would go through, and the real astrology, it would have all my friends to a T. Like, exactly. And I was like, oh my gosh, how is it so accurate? And we're not talking like cosm, what is it, what's a cosmopolitan pop sugar? We're not talking about that. We're talking like actual astrology. Yeah. And it would be exactly born under stars. all my friends' souls. Like Jesus, born the, under the, a star. The pinnacle, the weakness, the tendencies. I was like, this is real. But what's the problem here? Why I understand this is like, it's not kingdom. What's mm. going on? And so as I went on my cosmic journey and I started to be a cosmic overcomer, it all started to come together, make sense. And the Lord gave me, he gave me little explanations that tied me over until I had a higher perspective where I could understand how does all this work? It's a part of, obviously this is a part of creation, but with creation is fallen, you have fallen stars, you have uh, problems with the Shekinah port where yeah, the souls kids, come through. These days, born under the dark side of the moon. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like under sin and under <laughs> all this stuff. But here's the thing. When you're born again, mm -hmm. you can be born under the morning star of Jesus Christ and have a new shot at life. Amen. And so what the Lord showed me, because I looked at my own sign and I was like, it's too scary accurate. I don't want to be stuck with these limitations. But he showed me. Yeah, I remember the sphere of the fixed stars of the zodiac rungs. As you overcome, when you're above the stars, 
you're going to start breaking those limitations. Cosmic Jews through circumcision, it's always been their destiny and ability through God to rise above the stars. So that means all the soulish limitations. Although in the world, an uncircumcised, you know, Gentile flesh, Philistine flesh, Babylonian flesh, American Christian flesh, that's uncircumcised of heart. You're always going to have the limitations of the star seed, which is what star you're born under, and the bloodline, how good your parents' genetics were, what kind of sins are in your heritage, all the way back. So, how do you break those limitations? You rise star to circumcision. Star seed, that'll trigger some people. Yeah, star seed and bloodlines. That's why your enemies, why do they care so much about star seeds and bloodlines when it comes to perpetuating their serpent seed line? They really care about these things. Because they have mm -hmm. a Christian faith that's based on the dust of the earth, mm -hmm. and so the heavens aren't even important to their demonic mm -hmm. Christianity. Yep. So, when you have the understanding, <laughs> through cosmic circumcision, you live above the stars, which means you're not limited to the soulish limitations. You're not going to be just limited to whatever genetics you got from mom and dad, whatever sin patterns you inherited, generational curses. All of that breaks. You're breaking all those boxes for that ointment, that fresh oil, the perfume of the seventh heavens to come forth through that broken alabaster box mm -hmm. of breaking the throne of Satan as you rise and rise Perfect. and rise. And it's an anointing oil. You're anointing him from his head down to his feet. The whole sapphire stone, the sephirotic body of Jesus Christ can be anointed oh, yeah. with the breaking of your soulish boxes and all the idolatry of all starlight, sunlight, moonlight, and, and the heights of the him. sapphire stones and letting go of all the idolatry of it up through seven worlds, even through ten weeks of Enoch. Just completely counting all of the heights of all the heavens and all the powers and all the powers that could be yours. You count it as nothing and trade it all for him and him alone. Then you pour it out on his head at the top and watch it go down mm. the whole body wow. and let the structure of deceit be uprooted by the perfume oil of the high heavens. We perfume the whole world. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Baby Luxury Perfumes, this next two weeks is your last chance. By the way, can we show that slide? Do we have mm, yeah. yeah, 15% oh. up. Um, He's you been guys. speaking to me. Um, some people, I don't know where your guys' faith is at, but there is a supernatural perfuming of all worlds with the teaching of Jesus Christ. As it's written, we diffuse the fragrance of Christ everywhere. Amen. It is written. Scripture says we diffuse the fragrance of Jesus Christ everywhere. So the Scripture says... I studied these scriptures, memorized these scriptures for decades before God instructed me to begin perfuming. You know, the signs and wonders and miracles and angel encounters and an angel of perfume is what gave me this company, this business, BB Luxury Perfume. Mm -hmm. And so every single fragrance is based on actual experience in the heavens with angels of fragrances that exist in the heavens. In, mostly in the Garden of Eden, but it's all stuff I've smelled on angels from mm -hmm. supernatural fragrances, and oftentimes the exact ingredient list will be given to me by the mm -hmm. angel of perfume when I create it. And I've seen that angel over there sometimes out of the corner of my eye. I thought Brandon was over there perfuming, 
And then I was like, oh, hey, blah, 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 you know. Oh, wait a minute. That's not Brandon. We That's had gold one. dust every single time I made perfume mm-hmm. for weeks. And I shared all yeah. those signs and wonders on Facebook and got like eight likes. Oh, yeah. And we were doing, he was doing the perfuming. <laughs> last night we had such an amazing night. I know some people, it might have been a little disappointing. We had to cancel last night due to global outages yeah. of Streamlabs. But it was such a blessing. We had so many amazing divine encounters. We had an amazing dinner. We ran into brother Jake Bossler last night. We mm-hmm. did perfuming. We had after dinner tea. We did time for like self-care and laundry and tidying up. And the perfuming session Brandon did was so mind-blowing oh, last night. Yeah. I literally had, uh, and I also last night, I had twice, because I washed my hands before, like this uh, diamond dust on my right hand. And on my Facebook memories from like a year or two ago, it was like the Benjamin side of my right hand. I think Sister Sophia shared that online. It was like the anniversary of... Uh, diamond dust and it was happening on the right hand again and there's perfumes I've I want to encourage totally you guys to in your marketplace perfuming. because uh, back in the day I used to have five different businesses going while I was a full-time minister Ooh. and God told me to just dissolve all of them and focus only on preaching and teaching mm. and I, I got rid of all five of my businesses in like 2012 I had t-shirt companies I had uh, silver and gold companies mm. I was selling Young Living oils. I had like five different businesses and they were making bank. And God said, it's distracting people because I have not called you to the marketplace like that. I've called you to be a Levite to Mm full-time ministry. And that has become too big in your life. So he had me get rid of everything, went back into just, you know, living off of the scraps of the donations for many years in order to, to really fulfill my calling as an apostle of, of the Lamb. And so then when t- uh, 2020 came around with the COVID lockdown, he's like, I want you to go back into business. Now that the, the priesthood is, is way more established, mm-hmm. way higher maturity, it's okay mm-hmm. to have a side business mm-hmm. as a priest because there will be some time for that now. There's no constrictions. You're not under Levitical law where you can and can't do things. Now, if you are obeying the Holy Spirit, you're fulfilling all the law, Galatians says. So I'll tell you this, you go from glory to glory, from sapphire stone to sapphire stone, from rungs of Shekinah in the earth and on top of the earth, simply through obeying whatever the angelic instruction is from the throne of Jesus Christ. And don't sit there and say it's going to be Jesus directly. It's, it never is. It never is. It'll be angels 100% of the time. Even John on Patmos, I've sent my angel to instruct John. I mean, we Christians nowadays, they all think they're better than the greatest apostles ever lived. But God didn't even directly show up to the greatest apostles ever lived. But he shows up to all the infants in Christ every day in their imagination only. And that's why they're so messed up. Because they think all this stuff in their heads, but they don't have the circumcisions in their hearts. And they're way way off. And that's why they're offended by those that have received angelic instruction because they live in a completely different kingdom. They live in Jerusalem. Truth anyhow. So when you begin to obey the angelic instruction, that is how you begin to have signs and wonders in your businesses. This business, there'll be like two straight weeks, 14 days in a row, where I'll be perfuming. I've sent out thousands of perfumes all over the planet. Two weeks in a row, every day, my hands covered in gold dust. And diamond dust, ruby dust, emerald dust. I've had physical gemstones 
many times, angel feathers, many, many times while I'm perfuming in the perfumery. This is one of the most angelic things. So this is how sacred and holy business is to God. This isn't even my priesthood. I mean, yeah, what's working? When do you see the angel, and the gold dust, and the stuff in the in the priesthood out here? No, it comes invisibly mm-hmm. to grow your faith. But the signs and wonders mainly in my life the last two years have all been in my marketplace in BB Luxury Perfume. Mm-hmm. It's true. So make sure when you're being instructed and hearing clearly from God, getting the circumcisions of Torah. We'll come back to that two weeks only. We close down the business October 15th, 15% off using last chance 15 at www.bbluxuryperfumes.com. Amen. Mm-hmm. I want to just share this for all you businessmen, because all you need a business. I don't care if you're a Levite full-time ministry. You will need to have business wisdom. You cannot be a successful priest without understanding the marketplace because Jesus Christ only taught in marketplace parables. Show me one parable in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John that was not based on industry, commerce, or the trades of his nation, of his culture. Don't exist. It was fishing, agriculture, talents. A talent was $4,400. Parable of the talents. We think it's like you're talented to play the violin or nunchucks or something. A talent was the currency of Mm -hmm. money in that day. Jesus only taught business principles. You can't find something that's just only priesthood. No, it's a priesthood of marketplace. Here's the problem. Religious demons on earth want you to separate marketplace from priesthood so you're not a priest in the marketplace so that demons have all the money for the wicked. And they've been successful because a lot of believers think, oh, if I can only be mature enough to be a full-time minister. That's when you're augured. That's when you're demon-possessed. I don't care if you think you're called, you're chosen, you're elected. Listen, God is calling and and choosing you to live on sapphire stones, and you can't even think or see clearly until you have at least eight circumcisions in your heart. These apostles that are in full-time ministry, these prophets in full-time ministry, most of them have lost their freaking minds in the glory stream. Most of them have lost their freaking minds in the charismatic church. They are not thinking clearly. I tell you the truth. The reason is because of a lack of circumcisions. They're not even in their destiny, but they have a million followers on YouTube. I tell you the truth, and I could care less about any of it. There's no competition, no envy and strife. What you'll learn here is that when you get the circumcisions, you come into the real deal. You'll come into the kingdom. You'll come around the angels, and the angels ain't looking to put on a show, a circus show like the false prophet. The angels are looking to serve the Father accurately and please Him because He's the source of light. And so unless you're close to that light, you don't have life in you, and you just shrivel out and die and have 80 years of false success and die and go to hell. Now you're burning, being tortured by demons for eternity. You had no success. You lived in delusion your whole life. Success is measured by your ability to obey angels. You will not find one example from Genesis to Revelation of success in the eyes of God except a man or a woman that could obey angels or obey men and women who were instructed by angels. The angel of Yadevave showed up to Joshua son of none only. He had an army 
of probably a couple million kids behind him, those kids had to trust that Joshua heard from an angel. What is written in Acts? Maybe an angel spoke to him. Let's listen. What's written in the gospel? Let's not uh, do any harm to them. Maybe an angel has spoken to them. Do you understand? That's Jewish culture. Mm-hmm. If you're instructed by an angel, that means it's from God. Right, because you didn't want to end up dead, deaf, or dumb, <laughs> or mute, or something worse like than that. And nowadays, most of you react, well, it's probably a devil because you have faith in the fallen angels because you're taught so much freaking religion. Mm. Are you guys ready for dinner? Yeah, <laughs> I know. I was thinking we might have just enough time to get in a little bit of the teaching. I was thinking about serving up little tiny pieces of cut up meat. How does that sound? Mm. Little pieces of meat. Cut up enough. I think it'll be safe for the babies. I think it'll be good. Little pieces of meat. I'll eat little pieces of meat. Like, you know, they serve like like a tiny burrito for a tiny hamster. Have you seen the tiny hamster eating tiny burrito? Do you know that one? Does everyone, the tiny hamster eating a tiny burrito? And they make a nice little... Tiny Japanese A5 certified. They get like a little hamster and a full dining spread would make a tiny food. Mm. Oh. Some yeah. of you mouths are starting to water. Okay, let's... That's the teaching. Okay, man. All right, here we go. You can have your notes ready, or you can just absorb it and go back and get the notes ready. We're just probably going to try and fly through Welcome this as Welcome to the new possible. upgraded screen view. We okay. just upgraded this to HD, thanks to our partners for making it possible. <clears throat> All right. Let's just take oh. a look at this. Uh, we're going to fly through some of this stuff tonight, I think, just to try and get it in. Eternal Festival... Adam Sephirat Ha Omer Simchat Torah. So test your note taking skills. Or again, you can go back when you want to pause it and revisit. Eternal Festival. Adam Sephirat Ha Omer Simchat Torah. All right, we have the upcoming holidays for 2023. Uh, these next five uh, we have coming up on the Jewish calendar is Sukkot, uh, which is September 29th through October 6th. And Hashanah Rabbah, October 6th. Shemini Atzeret, also October 6th. And then Simchat Torah, which is October 7th through 8th. And you can celebrate uh, with me as I'm in the ninth world, which is the world of Simchat Torah. A lot of dancing with, and a rejoicing with Torah, rejoicing with Torah, reading Torah, uh, enjoying Torah, and dancing and celebrating Torah, and overall crowning Torah and enjoying Torah and eating and drinking Torah, and sleeping and awaking Torah. Torah, Torah, Torah. In other words, living in sapphire stones. When you hear Torah, I know this is a really helpful thing for a lot of people. When you hear Torah, think gemstones Mm -hmm. that are speaking the words of God, because that's what Mm -hmm. Torah is. It's like the 12 uh, gemstones Mm -hmm. on the high priest's chest, the ephod, Each one of those stones represents Torah speaking. Now, the building of living stones, Mm -hmm. of the living word, each word comes from Mm -hmm. a gemstone, a sapphire stone, that only speaks living words of Torah. Amen. And imagine the three strands, this three-chord strand that cannot be broken of the three scrolls of the sapphire stones, left, right, and middle pillar. Those are like, imagine like 
scrolls emanating as Shekinah light mm. out of sapphire stones in cake form that you eat as the angels proclaim his majesty. And you continue eating them and throwing them to the people down the ladder. Scrolls of gemstone cake, like DNA of God coming down. That's uh, the Torah coming down from heavenly Jerusalem. And we are the Mm -hmm. eaters of that feast. That's the marriage Mm -hmm. supper of the Lamb. Amen. So it means switch to Pac-Man mode because it's about to get amazing. Nom, nom, nom. Nom, nom. Hanukkah. And then after that, we have Hanukkah, which is in December 7th through 15th. These days are called uh, the days of awe. Oh. It really feels like it, doesn't it? Yeah. Total shift in global atmosphere. All right, Dalit. One, God's unity. That's, uh, whew. That word right there is Echad with the D at the end. Okay, all right, all right. The letters Dalet and Resh are similar in form. The difference between them is at the back of the Resh is rounded off, whereas the right tip of the head of the Dalet extends past the leg of the letter. Oh, yeah, we could put the academic cap on. Uh, <laughs> as though the resh had a yod attached to its upper right-hand corner. This back point, though, is just a small addition. Even though it's just a small addition, it can make all the difference between one, God's unity, echad, and the or, uh, if there's a resh there, same word, but with a resh would mean idolatry. So this is very important, the difference between dalet and resh. Same words there, same Hebrew letters, except see it looks very similar. Dalet, you can see on the right top right hand, it hovers over just a little bit. Very important not to confuse them. If you're new to Hebrew, like most of us are, from a distance, depending on the type font, the font face, or if it's handwritten or typed or in a letter, uh, the style it's in a printed book, it can be a little bit difficult to discern at first glance. Again, it's important why there's a big difference between God's unity and idolatry. Oh, yeah. They had unity in the golden calf, didn't they? Mm-hmm. False unity. So it's really interesting. Dalet and Resh. We're going to get into some of that. Uh, Resh is also spelled Resh. 20th letter of the Hebrew alphabet, numerical value 200, meaning poor, evil, or head. So, you know, poor means evil. Oh, wow. Oh, I hope... Yeah. There may be some conviction there, but it's a great, the spirit of poverty is a great evil mm. upon the earth. Abraham, remember the It's one of the whoredom. worst principalities on earth is mm-hmm. the pr- principality of poverty. Yeah. The woman of whoredom reduces a man to a loaf of bread. So the idolatry, even though it's, you know, golden calf worship, it always leads to poverty. It might be at first poverty in spirit. Not in the good way, right, where there's humility, uh, but just you're losing everything to demons. That's not good. Gemstone teaching of the Torah of uh, Sapphire Stones will take any listener who becomes obedient to the teaching out of any poverty in the world, 100% of the time. All right. So we're going to keep shifting gears here, so try to keep up. You can make notes if you want. Uh, Abraham does not engender, but Abraham engenders. So Abram... A-B-R-A-M does not engender, but Abraham engenders because that limb is not perfected until hay. That's the Hebrew letter hay, as in final hay, as in, remember, Shekinah above and below. Bina and Shekinah above and below both represent the hay of the tetragrammaton of Yod, hay, vav, hay. So wherever that hay appears, 
it is prepared to produce offspring and fruit. Remember, it's the fruit of the Shekinah orchard. Of this, it is said one's name is determinative. How do we know that it is rectified only as a result of the hay? Shekinah. The answer is that when he was Abram, that limb that was uncircumcised and imperfect, after the hay appeared, that limb was rectified and circumcised to produce fruit through the final hay. So as long as the upper world, and from uh, our scribes, supernal scribes on sapphire stones for your notes, you could put upper world, upper waters. So as long as the upper world was sealed in final mem, and that's mem of the mayim, M-A-Y-I-M, of the waters. So when you're looking through Bible Hub, Blue Letter Bible, and you see in the Hebrew, mayim, think waters, think waters below, and waters above. Final mem is when it's a sealed fountain. Open mem is when it's open and flowing. Okay, that's going to give you keys to mysteries in the Torah. So as long as the upper world was sealed in final mem, that limb was unrefined foreskin abiding uncircumcised. So the lower rung abides as a result of foreskin in Dalet, impoverished. Okay. So again, the Resh looks very similar to the Dalet, but the Dalet has a Yud at its upper right-hand corner, which the Resh lacks. Now this is interesting. Dalet, that is the fourth letter of the Hebrew alphabet. It also means poor. But it also means door and lift up. So there's some key differences as well as some similarities. Dalet also means poor, but it also means door and lift up. So what's the difference between the unity of God and the false unity of the uncircumcision, which is idolatry? So the lower rung abides as a result of the foreskin and Dalet impoverished. So when the upper world is concealed in the mystery, final mem closed off, right? It looks like, if you look at a final mem, that looks like a little box. The lower world is destitute in the mystery of Dalet. So when the world of final mem is opened up and transformed into hay of the Tetragrammaton, the covenant is perfected and the foreskin is sloughed off. Okay, and our people, if you're still coming up Malkut, it might seem a lot, but trust that all these words are being imparted into your spirit. Yeah, and it will make really sense teaching. later on. So when the covenant is configured, two letters depart and two other letters enter. These two exit, that's Dalet and final Mem. So any circumcision in which blood does not flow, and blood is Dalet, final Mem, that's Dam. The uh, English transliteration is D-A-M, M as in mom, dam. As in damn, that hurts. No, okay, all right, it's no, blood flowing. Dom. Dom. It's pronounced dom. Political correctness here. All right. So whenever blood does not flow, there is no con it does not constitute circumcision. Remember, cosmic circumcision is a two-step circumcision. Why not three, like Old Testament? The three-step circumcision of Old Covenant Judaism is number one, removal of the foreskin, number two, peeling back of the membrane, and three is the bloodletting, because without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Why for us is it a two-step and cosmic? Two out of the three pillars, Jesus completed one as God. We go up as male and female, and we complete those sides. Also, the blood of Jesus was poured out for the forgiveness of your sins. 
So as soon as you remove the foreskin from a sapphire stone and the membrane, the Shekinah blood of Jesus automatically flows through that sapphire stone. God meets you again halfway. Mm -hmm. So that's the blood letting part. Okay, so that's uh, any circumcision which blood does not flow does not constitute circumcision. That's another way you can tell uh, with the Shekinah, not just that it's glowing, it's being stolen by the, the shell, the membrane, but is the membrane completely removed so that there is a flowing of Christ's blood freely. Okay. For these withdraw and the other two, uh, two others disappear. In the place of final mem, hay enters. Hay is in yod hay vav hay. And place of dalet, hay enters. So there you have two hay above and below. Then everything stands ready for engendering. Again, that's in reference from Abram becoming Abraham. You have the hay in there. Okay, this is the mystery of Lemarba Hamisra. For the abundance of dominion and peace, there will be no end upon David's throne and kingdom. Through this mystery, there is the abundance of dominion and peace without end upon David's throne and kingdom. Throne and kingdom. What is throne and kingdom? What's the world of the throne? Do you remember? Bina, Berea. That's Shekinah above, the mother, heavenly Jerusalem, the world that is to come. And David's throne and kingdom, Malkut, Shekinah, which means Malkut fully circumcised and the bride in that earthen vessel, Malkut standing on the moon, Shekinah. United in Shekinah. The mm. blood is flowing. When Malkut, Yasad, and Tiferet are connected, that's you getting into the sun, standing on the moon clothed in the sun, mm. gathering them all together, there's the blood flow of the Jesus Christ's blood, of his covenant. The kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Which is the completion of what Christ came to do. That expanding wisdom of Revelation 12.1 is really opening up right now. That's far greater than we ever imagined. That's Amen. perfected 10 weeks of the woman standing in Revelation 12.1. It's not just the first rung. It's mm -hmm. the finished 10 weeks. Amen. For the abundance of dominion and peace, there will be no end. Weeks without end upon David's throne and kingdom. So upon Bina, which is the world of Berea, and the world of Isaiah, which is represented in the sapphire stone of Malkut. So above and below. Again, that's the inheritance of Abraham. That hay, rep that, hay that replaces the final mem. And in place of the Dalet, hay enters. All right. And again, that's Shekinah. She's complete, right? If you look at this Dalet, for there to be a hay there, there just has to be a completion there. That's you becoming a pillar in the house of God. The orchard of Shekinah, uh, fully manifested and protected. Okay. What is the meaning of and peace and truth and peace? It is that limb, foundation of the world, righteousness. The one whom foreskin, the one from whom foreskin was removed, the latter end of all flesh, Genesis six thirteen actually, and of peace there will be no end, for it surely has been eliminated for conjugal relations, and again, when we talk about conjugal relations, adult stuff on sapphire stones, it's about the emanations of Shekinah and the receiving of Shekinah. 
when the Apostle Paul is talking about, I'm talking about deeper mysteries than just like, you know, mm -hmm. all the carnal interpretation. Yeah. He's like, but at the same time, treat your spouses how you're supposed to. But I'm not really talking about carnal stuff, but you need that carnal stuff. So you're not, you know, just totally reprobate and horrible to each other. Mm -hmm. Live the life of Christ. But I'm talking about mysteries of sapphire stone emanates emanation of shekinah indicates uh, masculine and the receiving of shekinah is indicative of the feminine right bina the matrix the mother the womb receiving from wisdom wisdom filling the palaces of upper shekinah mother jerusalem hello mm, the womb in which your soul or souls are formed coming down sapphire stones mm. You know, how can a man enter his mother's womb again? The upper matrix. You can't fix the below matrix without ascending to the upper matrix. Okay. Matrix meaning womb. Yep. Not the movie. Right. You're like the matrix. You know, there's a lot of stuff about matrix. I will tell you this. You your vocab if you watch Jill's bar. If you really want to know about the matrix, look up at my post about Rad Wariel. It's R A D W E R I A L. Rad Wariel. And you'll find that the actual matrix that you live in and breathe in and have your moving around in is an actual entity or angelic creature that God created. Yeah, so I asked for his help a couple of days before uh, trying to, you know, do certain things to learn how to move more intelligently in Christ because it's a, like, God doesn't make dead things, He makes alive things. Mm hmm. God and he's actually, and, and the entity that we that, that makes up that this matrix of the world that we live in currently is actually a high heaven scribe as well. Why is that? Imagine it like a very complex, more complicated version of a TV, essentially. You can replay whatever. You're all happened. inside a big angel. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. Like, he's just all everywhere all the time. How? Because Christ holds up all Some things. of these angels stand seven worlds high. Yeah. So it's like you're literally never far from the angelic. There's literally you're living in one right now. My only now here's my here's my question that I haven't had answered yet. So maybe you guys can find out, or maybe we'll find out in the coming days. I saw the the blueprints for the new heavens, new earth. Uh, I don't know if it's called 2.0 or 3.0, whatever the one is that's hasn't happened yet. When the old is gone and the new comes, mm -hmm. I had the privilege to be able to touch it, and I felt like I was falling into it. So hyper realistic. I was wondering, so is the angel that makes up this one, is it going to be a new angel or he gets upgraded or it's already like futuristically happening for him as an angel over there. It's like the GPS of the heavens. I'm like, you know, outside of time and space, inside of time and space, you know, just like that'll mm -hmm. pop your brain. My so, human mind yeah. is for Yadavave, it is written. If I'm inside my body, it's for you. But Paul was saying that oftentimes... He's living above and for God above in the above world in the supernal celestial dimension of heavenly Jerusalem where all the angels are in the heavenly spheres. All right, we'll keep moving so we can get into some of these. Fourth letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Pour, door, lift up like rush with a yad from hakma, wisdom attached. Isn't that interesting? So if you, it looks like a rush, right? Rush. But if you added a yad, which we know yad represents what? Hakma wisdom okay okay what did they say better a wise and a poor man than a wicked or something like that in the word why is that 
It's not about being poor. It's not the glorification of being poor. Mm-hmm. It's about wisdom and humility. Just getting as far away from hell, no matter what what it looks like every exactly. day. <laughs> what is the meaning of and peace in truth and peace? It is that limb foundation of the world, the one from whom foreskin was removed, the latter called the end of all flesh, Genesis six thirteen actually, and of peace there will be no end. For it has surely been eliminated, right? The foreskin being eliminated in all worlds means peace. So wherever there is going to be peace, it's a absence of the dust of the flesh, right? The foreskin, the membrane of Satan's kingdom, right? No, no foreskin, no dust, no uncircumcised hearts, no kingdom, act, no kingdom of the enemy activity. If there's no demons, there's going to be a lot of peace, amen. Okay, so for conjugal relations, that peace upon David's throne and kingdom that it may be established and upheld in justice and righteousness, the foundations of the throne. So all this is when the final mem withdraws, opens up, the foreskin sloughs off, and Dalet departs. And then there's a mystery of, look, uh, that's Dam, D-A-M, blood of the covenant. That's Dalet Mem. Exodus 24-8, because those two letters had to be removed from it. Okay, so during that time, he was a foreskinned, uncircumcised, so the blessed Holy One was revealed to him only in a vision because the upper world was closed up in final mem, which means that the lower world was impoverished in Dalet. Right, so that's the undoing of that has to be the opening up of that final mem. Looks like a little enclosed box represents the foreskin. So the upper world being closed up in final mem, which means the waters were not flowing down the supernal rungs, nourishing the below world, the lower world being impoverished, impoverished of what? Shekinah, right? And Dalet, so once the upper world was opened up in hay, Abraham removed the foreskin and the lower world departed from Dalet. Then it's written, yad hay vav appeared to him, entirely revealed, opening up that which had never been seen before. So, at first, it was only revealed to him in what? A vision. When the heavens were closed, when there was an impoverished, which means uncircumcision, right? There was no circumcision. That's when God reveals himself in vision. In Genesis 15:1, it's recorded, the word of yad heh came to Abram in Mahaza, a vision. Whereas immediately after his circumcision, it just says that yad heh appeared to him. That's Genesis 18.1. So post-circumcision, you're not in the world of just dark vision, prophetic dark vision. You're in the world of sapphire stone vision. Song of Songs, Mystery of the Ages. Mm. Following this model, actually, whenever the righteous and pious ones abounded in the world, then all was revealed and open. So when King Solomon built the temple, and all Jews were like righteous, pious, settled like wine upon its lees, then everything was opened up, and this song, Song of Songs, was revealed above and below. And that was the greatest moment of Shekinah and prophecy and the recording of a song of all songs by Solomon as he witnessed during the sacrifice 
what the Shekinah did and how it opened up the heavens and the glory came down. So when have the righteous and the pious ones abound in the world? So it's a holiness entered the body of Abraham and the divine body when Abraham was circumcised, right above and below. The same result is achieved with the proliferation 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 of the righteous clearly <laughs> in this world a state exemplified during king solomon's reign then divine overflow proceeds freely and song of song emerges and it's going to again which is the pinnacle of revelation pinnacle of sapphire stone revelation is the realization of the song of songs again in a greater measure than it was in the day of Solomon, in the greatest day wow. on the day of the sacrifice, above and below. It's the song of the Lamb. The formula settled like wine, amen. This, the formula settled like wine upon its leaves that they just described in here. Derives from Jeremiah 48, 11. And let's look back at that just a moment here. So it says, when King Solomon built the temple and all the Jews were righteous and pious, settled like wine upon its lees, then everything was opened up and this song was revealed above and below. Right, the song of song emerged, the pinnacle of revelation. So the formula there, settled like wine upon its leaves, that lees, L-E-E-S, that derives from Jeremiah 48, 11, Moab had, has been at ease from his youth on. He has settled on his lees and has not been poured from vessel to vessel. He has never gone into exile. Right? We talk about Shekinah and exile. This is talking about Moab, which is you know a wicked place, never going into exile. Therefore, his fine flavor has remained and his bouquet is unspoiled. So they're appropriating the phrase here for Israel. Uh, the oral tradition of Moses performs a textual correction of history. So that's what has been going on with Moab the wicked. means mm -hmm. land of loose living. Mm -hmm. So they haven't been in exile. But what this is talking about is a fulfillment of the Song of Songs, the pinnacle of Revelation, is that moment when it's the righteous who are not in exile anymore. When Shekinah is not in exile anymore. Because why? God's people, who are the true Jews, in this case, in our day and age, cosmic Jews, are righteous and pious. What does that mean? We talked about meekness, humility. You have Gevrat. The, the Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. That is the Greek transliteration. The translation on sapphire stones is Gevrat. That's true humility. If you have Gevrat, uh, that's your first real taste. You know, you, you grow in humility up each sapphire stone. But it's that, that meekness, Greek prouts, or P-R-A, that root there. Uh, in sapphire stone, if you translate that to Hebrew, that is Gevorot. Alright, so that's the righteous. And the overflow of righteousness, the righteous and the pious, so... God's people being settled like wine upon the lees. Then everything is opened up in the heavens and below. No more impoverishment of Shekinah and Kavod. The revelation of the Song of Songs coming down. Sapphire Stone. Song of Moses and the Lamb. So that's that textual correction of history. Instead of Moab having a good time in the earth, what do you see? Esau, you see Moab out there. 
they've got it good. They've got the mansions. They've got the... They're not in exile. They're living their best life. They have problems. But what have we yet to see in this day and age? The righteous inheriting the physical earth. We've talked about from the master class and beyond. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the world physically. Blessed are those who have Gevra, who have Gevrat. Like how many rungs you go up, how many worlds you go up, how much, how many Gevrat do you have? Amen. It's a measurement of inheriting the earth physically. What's the difference between Dalet and the mm. Resh? A Yud. If one affixes a Yud to the upper right hand corner of the Resh, then the Resh will become a Dalet. So the Yud, a very small letter, represents humility. That humility is what separates the Resh from the Dalet. So the mezuzah on the doorpost, mezuzah on the doorpost, and Dalet looks at the doorpost, contains the famous paragraph of the prayer known as the Shema. In the Shema, we say, Hear, O Israel, God is our Lord, God is one. That word, Echad, as in God is one, spelled with the letters Aleph, Ches Dalet. So what happens if the Yud is removed from the Dalet and becomes a Resh? The word is no longer Echad, but Acher, which is other. If such a mistake were made, this would now translate into Hero Israel. God is our Lord. God is other, as in other gods. So critical is the aspect of Yud, humility, and the belief of God's oneness. So what does that tell us on Sapphire Stones? If mm. the humility is lacking, it's automatic idolatry. Oh, so true. Is it? Amen. Seen it a million times. Yeah. If there's no humility, there it's other gods a hundred percent. Hundred percent of the time. Let's see what else we have here. Okay, so Dalet versus Resh, it's likewise very difficult to discern between the true Zadik and the false leader. The one who promotes God's unity and the other who diminishes it. So that's exactly what Brandon was talking about. You know, people can come around, get ideas, information, knowledge. Mm. But if they're just serving knowledge, they're serving the bone thrown to at of Satan, totally uncircumcised. If they were circumcised, they'd be walking with us. It's mm -hmm. one kingdom. It's God is one. God is one. It's one kingdom. One stairway of Jacob, one mm -hmm. Israel. This is not Christian paganism where everyone <laughs> follows their own God in the form of Jesus, doing their own thing, going after their own heart like Esau. It's literally one DNA strand mm -hmm. of Messiah getting engrafted in. So you have to be disconnected to be in disunity. Right. So Dalet represents the true Zadik, and the Resh it represents the false Zadik. Again, to the uncircumcised eye, they probably look similar, probably believe similar facts. They're telling you similar data. They might even memorize all of the master class. But what is it lacking? The Yud. There's no Yud. And what is that? Mm. Circumcised Ruah. The Yud is of Hakma. What do we know in the big picture of Sapphire Stones? What is Hakma? That's the world of Absolute. Circumcised Ruah and the Yud of Hakma. So that's Absolute. So the valuation of silver, Dalet, value silver. Right? What's the difference between the Old Covenant? What was Solomon's mistake? He didn't value silver. Silver was very common, very abundant. What do we have today? It's very common for people to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Mm. Speaking tongues, that's ruah, that's yeah. the silver. So it's not as valued, but why you must value it, circumcise it. Mm, that's so good. Circumcise it and go up the rungs and step into the tongue of fire. Like Enoch, he walked into the tongues of fire. 
-hmm. you walked into the flames of fire. If it's resting on your head in the invisible, you go up the rungs, you walk in, and you go into the great house, but you value silver by what? If you cared for your mom's silver set, you would polish it, right? You'd keep it clean. How much more the silver that your father in heaven has given you, your ruah. Polish it, keep it clean, circumcise it mm -hmm. so that you can reflect his glory. So with his ruach, the true Zadik transforms the resh, the ruach of idolatry, into the dalet of unity. So in order to have unity on sapphire stones, we must annihilate idolatry. Look at the judges. What did they all do in the Old Testament? It's like, step one, tear down the idols. Mm. Piss everyone off. Why was everyone pissed off? Because mm. they cut down their idols. Tear yep. down the idols. Destroy every other god. And why did everyone get mad at the judges as soon as they tear down idols? Because it was their tradition. It was their religious tradition. Well, what do we look around with everyone with a ruah having charismatic religious traditions? Yep. And that's literally what we're tearing down now. So if people get upset, just understand it's always been like that Old Testament, New Testament, Eternal Testament. It's the same reaction. The human uncircumcised reaction to the tearing down of idols hasn't changed much in, mm -mm. you know, many thousands of years. So value silver. All right. So the Midrash tells us that if one switches the Rish for the Dalet, he's destroying all the worlds. Isn't that interesting? If you switch the, the Rish mm, into the Dalet. Because you go from to pride, like the fallen angels. You destroy all the worlds that you're living in. Mm -hmm. And this is interesting. The Gematria of the Dalet, right? Hebrew Gematria, which is uh, really common in the oral tradition of Moses. Four represents the matriarchs, right? We talked, uh, Brandon had talked about the valuing of the matriarchs, right? Not mm. just the patriarchs, but the matriarchs. Jerusalem above, your mother. Rick Joyner books talking about uh, heavenly Jerusalem not just being a monument anymore, but being a living, active part of Christian lives in the times mm. to come. And yeah. how huge of a problem that was. <laughs> so... Arch and the sword, the woman is Jerusalem. <laughs> yeah. Amen. And what did she say when Rick said, asked her if it was me because he'd met me in the spirit before? And at first she says, oh, you know, I, she looks like me. That's my daughter. Mm. So first she says that she's not me, but then again she turns to him and says she is me. There's a mystery in there. Daughter what is she Zion, mean? daughter of Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. Four represents the matriarchs, Sarah, Rebecca, Rachel, and Leah. It also represents the four created worlds as explained in Absolute, Berea, Yetzirah, and Asiah. So the Dalet represents Absolute, Berea, Yetzirah, and Asiah. Mm. Well, if those four are going to be replaced by a hay like it was for Abraham, wouldn't that be considered rolling up the old heavens and the old earth and putting on a new garment? Hallelujah. In addition, Dalet signifies the four basic elements of creation, fire, energy, air, gas, water, liquid, and earth, solid. Four up also represents the holiday of Passover. The four cups of wine, the four children, and the four questions. So again, Passover, Jewish holiday, the four cups of wine, the four children, and the four questions. 
So the Ma Nishtana is a set of four questions traditionally asked by the youngest person present at the Passover meal. <laughs> the questioner asks, why on Pass Passover Eve we dip two foods when we normally do not dip at all? We normally do not dip. What are they talking about? The questioner asks, why on Passover Eve we dip two foods when we normally do not dip at all, eat matzah, unleavened bread, and marar, bitter herbs, and recline in the manner of ancient nobility. Recliners, Shadrach. <laughs> Perfect. See, it's the season of reclining. Bible spa. <laughs> Amen. The four questions are recorded in the Mishnah with their origins and the biblical command to tell the children the story of Exodus on Passover Eve in response to their queries. The Hebrew lyrics of the four questions are among the best-known pieces of Jewish liturgy and are often sung to a traditional tune or chanted in Hebrew with the Yiddish translation. And you can look that up if you want to drive your family nuts with that. We're just going to be chanting We're Yiddish. We're going to bring in our recorders and, and play it for you on the recorders. <laughs> yeah, and chant the Yiddish translation in the Jewish liturgy until it drives you nuts. All right, no, we're not going to do that. All right, what are the four questions in English? There will be a quiz. <laughs> Who knows? You never know. The angel might show up and ask. All right. What makes this night different from all other nights? All right, so number one, four questions. On all nights... Okay, so number one, on all nights we need not dip even once. On this night, we do so twice? Question mark. So number one, on all nights... We need not dip even once. On this night, we do so twice? Question mark. All right, number two. On all nights, we eat chametz, chametz, that's C-H-A-M-E-T-Z, or matzah, M-A-T-Z-A-H. And on this night, only matzah? Question mark. On all nights we eat kametz or matzah, and on this night only matzah? Question mark. Okay, question number three. On all nights we eat any kind of vegetables, and on this night maror? M-A-R-O-R? Question mark. So on all nights we eat any kind of vegetables, and on this night maror. And question number four. On all nights, we eat sitting upright or reclining. And on this night, we all recline? Question mark. Like royal nobility. Okay, so that's the four questions in English. Now the festival of unleavened bread called the Passover was approaching. And the chief priests and the teachers of the law were looking for some way to get rid of Jesus, for they were afraid of the people. Then Satan entered Judas, called Iscariot, one of the twelve. And Judas went to the chief priests and the officers of the temple guard and discussed with them how he might betray Jesus. They were delighted and agreed to give him money. He consented and watched for an opportunity to hand Jesus over to them when no crowd was present. And we've seen that too. We've seen people confess in the end that people had paid them money to betray Red Letter Ministries. Very interesting behavior. It's that same spirit. The Last Supper. 
Then came the day of unleavened bread, matzah, that's unleavened bread, on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John saying, go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover. Where do you want us to prepare for it? They asked. He replied, as you enter the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him to the house that he enters. And for those of you on the sapphire stone journey, water, mayim, you can think jar, enclosed, final mem, follow him to the house he enters, the greater house, bina, above. And say to the owner of the house, the teacher asks, where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large room upstairs, all furnished. Mm -hmm. Make preparations there. They left and found things just as Jesus had told them. So they prepared the Passover. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined mm. at the table. Royal nobility. And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the Malkut of God, in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread. And gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. But the hand of him who is going to betray me is with mine on the table. Now, what do we know? What does table represent? We've talked about this. It represents the Shekinah. The bread is on the table of Shekinah. So if someone's hand is on the table along with Messiah, that means the hand of the enemy, the hand of the betrayers, the hand of the false Zadik is on the table of Shekinah. What is that stolen Shekinah? Stolen glory. That's what you see. The Son of Man will go as it has been decreed, but woe to that man who betrays him. They began to question among themselves which of them it might be who would do this. So what are the answers to the four questions? The paragraph in the Haggadah, which immediately follows the four questions, contains the response to the four questions. A modicum of thought suffices to uncover the answers inherent in its words. We were slaves to Pharaoh in Egypt. Right when you're coming out of Black Malkut, what are you coming out of? Egypt. Coming out of the old earth, old earthen vessel, old ways. We were slaves to Pharaoh in Egypt, and the Lord our God took us out from there with a strong hand and with an outstretched arm, his righteous right hand. Let's review the four questions and demonstrate how our transition from slavery to freedom, which is discussed in this paragraph, is the reason for all the strange practices referenced in the questions. Each one of these practices is symbolic of slavery, freedom, or both? Those four questions. Number one, on all nights we need not dip even once. On this night we do so twice. Slavery, the salt water into which we dip the carpas, that's K-A-R-P-A-S, potato, onion, or other vegetable, 
represents the tears we cried while in Egypt. Anybody relate to the tears we cried in Egypt? <laughs> Simile, the charoset, that's C-H-A-R-O-S-E-T, it's a fruit nut paste, into which the bitter herbs are dipped, reminds us of the cement we used to create the bricks in Egypt. And what are the bricks in Egypt of today's day? Buildings made by human hands, which is church buildings and any kind of building in your life under the tower of Jezebel. Which means not standing on the rungs, not standing on the moon, fully circumcised. Building with serpentine dust, the Tower of Babel. Yep. Appearance of good, appearance of evil, either way, it's all working in the dust of the earth, works of the flesh. Strange fire. Prepared for the flood to annihilate it all. Yep. Freedom. Dipping food is considered a luxury, a sign of freedom, as opposed to the poor and enslaved who eat dry and undipped foods. Okay. Two. On all nights we eat chametz or matzah, and on this night only matzah. Slavery. Matzah was the bread of slaves and poor. It was cheap to produce and easy to make. Freedom. Matzah also commemorates the fact that the bread did not have enough time to rise when the Jews hastily left Egypt. Now we talked about matzah in terms of teaching. It's just eat the matzah, obey, get out of Egypt. You'll understand the manna will come when you get to Sinai, which represents what? Shekinah represents Sinai. So when you're circumcised standing on the moon, getting the circumcision, what are we noticing? Those people who are doing that, they start to understand the cosmic revelation in a much greater way. First, you just got to obey, eat the matzah, get out of Egypt, get the circumcisions on Malkut. All right. On all nights, we eat, number three, on all nights, we eat any kind of vegetables, and on this night, maror. Slavery, the maror, bitter herbs, remind us of the bitterness, right? Get, get rid of all the bitterness, the bitterness of the slavery in Egypt. Number four. On all nights, we eat sitting upright or reclining. But on this night, Pesach or Passover, we all recline. When you come out of Egypt, you recline mm. at the table with Jesus. Freedom. We commemorate our freedom by reclining on cushions like royalty. That's a good Facebook post. We commemorate our freedom by reclining on cushions like royalty. They reclined at the table with him. It is written, Who's him? Yarevave. Luke 22, 20 through 23, Amplified Classic. And in like manner, he took a cup after supper, saying, This cup is the New Testament or covenant ratified in my blood, which is shed, poured out for you. But behold, the hand of him who is now engaged in betraying me is with me on the table. For the Son of Man is going as it has been determined and appointed, but woe to that man by whom he is betrayed and delivered up. And they began to inquire among themselves which of them who, it was, who was about to do this. John thirteen eighteen through 30 in the NLT. I am not saying these things to all of you. I know the ones I have chosen, but this fulfills a scripture that says, the one who eats my food has turned against me. I tell you this beforehand so that when it happens, you will believe that I am the Messiah. I tell you the truth. Anyone who welcomes my messenger is welcoming me. And anyone who welcomes me is welcoming the Father who sent me. 
Now, what does that mean? If you reject the sent ones, the apostles, the true apostles on sapphire stones, you reject Jesus, which means you reject the Father. Which means, what else is there for you? There's nowhere else to go. That's it. You've rejected the kingdom. Now, Jesus was deeply troubled, and he exclaimed, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me. The disciples looked at each other, wondering whom he could mean. The disciple Jesus loved was sitting next to Jesus at the table. Simon Peter motioned to him to ask, Who is he talking about? So that disciple leaned over to Jesus and asked, Lord, who is it? Jesus responded, It is the one to whom I give the bread I dip in the, in the bowl. The Passover he was dipping into the bowl. Maybe into the salty that the salty dip or the bitter herbs. And when he had dipped it, he gave it to Judas, son of Simon Iscariot. When Judas had eaten the bread, Satan entered into him. Then Jesus told him, hurry and do what you're going to do. None of the others at the table knew what Jesus meant. When that salty, tear dipped, bitter herb dipped. The hand of the enemy was on the hand of the table of Shekinah. The betrayer, who was a hireling, he only cared about the money. He was offended at the opulence and holiness of Jesus. What was the last straw? You remember the breaking of the alabaster box and the pouring out of the perfume below and above? It irritated the Satan below because it irritated the Satan above that mankind would be given the chance to rise on sapphire stones and participate in the perfuming or the anointing of the head of days, the ancient of days. Mm. And the cosmic ramification, ramifications of that, only the fallen angels and I believe Jesus really understood what was going on on a cosmic scale at that moment. And as soon as he ate that stolen bread, what they say, stolen bread? As soon as he ate that bread, Satan entered into him. Then Jesus told him, hurry and do what you're going to do. None of the others at the table knew what Jesus meant. Since Judas was their treasurer, some thought Jesus was telling him to go and pay for the food or give some money to the poor. Yeah, give to the poor, yeah. So Judas left at once, going out into the night. And that's also in, uh, indicating Shekinah. So sitting versus reclining. Hasidic teachings differentiate between two levels of loyalty and devotion to God. An imposed devotion and an innate devotion. So two levels of loyalty, imposed and innate devotion. The first kind is experienced by those who are filled with an awareness of self. A feeling of being independent from God and outside of him, yet through study and contemplation, they come to the recognition that is logical and good to devote themselves to their creator who is infinite. Infinite. They therefore overcome the self and devote themselves to God, but the independent self remains intact. It is merely suppressed. This is called Bitol Hayesh, and it's associated with the lower three worlds of Berea, Yetzirah, and Isaiah. The higher level of devotion, which is usually associated with the saintly, 
is an exi existential and innate devotion. Where we talked about the imminence of these realms. One in which there is no self that needs to be overcome, right? The world of absolute is a total annihilation of self, the selfish nature that needs to be overcome. Such a person is not susceptible at all to sin. This is called bitul bimezuit. That's B-I-T-T-U-L and then B apostrophe M-E-T-Z-I-U-T. And this is associated with the highest world, which is absolute, which is entirely permeated with divine awareness, right? It's full of light, that realm of the generator of power for all those worlds from absolute down through Messiah. So sitting and reclining are actually manifestations of these two levels of devotion. Sitting represents imposed devotion, that lower level devotion. It's still important. That's your first part of devotion, right? You discipline yourself to do it. You know it's the right thing to do. It may not be your entire nature yet, but you've made up your mind this is what you're going to do. So that's the imposed devotion that's sitting at the table. It's Berea, Yetzirah, and Asaya. Reclining, that represents the innate devotion. That's the world of absolute. So when you go enter the world of absolute, you are then reclining at the supernal table of Shekinah above. When you have that imposed devotion, you're sitting at the table of Shekinah below. Christ within you, the hope of realizing the glory. Holy Spirit coming out of your belly like rivers of living water. All through Asaya, Yetzirah, Berea. But that innate devotion is Shekinah above, a higher table. And that world of light, that generation of the immanence of God, absolute. When we sit down, our heads are brought to a lower position. This symbolizes a partial bowing to the divine since the head is not completely lowered. But when we recline, our heads are nearly if not completely lowered. This symbolizes an absolute and innate bowing to the divine. Tonight we all recline, right? Passover. Tonight, because of the intensity of the divine revelation that occurred on that night, which reverberates every year or every supernal day, supernal year, supernal week, we all recline. We are imbued with an innate devotion to the divine. This fleeting revelation that overwhelms us on the Passover gives a jolt the jump start for the work of refining the self during the 49 days between Passover and Shavuot, which is what? Counting the Omer, Sephirat Ha-Omer. You remember Sephirat Ha-Omer. What are all these festivals about? Eternal festivals. Hmm. From a mystical perspective, the order of the questions follows the order of the spiritual world, worlds from the lowest to the loftiest. The dipping represents Asaya, the world of action, the world of actuality. The matzah represents the world of Yetzirah, the world of formation. The bitter herbs represents the world of Berea, the world of creation. And reclining, absolute, the world of emanation. What makes Passover different from all nights of the year? On all nights of the year, we do not need to dip even once, but on Passover night, we dip twice. The first time we dip carpas in salt water, and the second time, the bitter herbs in the Haraset paste, paste. Dipping bitter herbs, dipping 
dipping carpas and dipping bitter herbs. The second question, on all nights of the year we eat chametz or matzah, but on Passover night we eat only matzah. Third question, on all nights of the year we eat various vegetables, on, but on Passover we eat bitter vegetables. Fourth question, on all nights of the year we eat either sitting upright or reclining, but on Passover night we all eat while reclining. Father, and this is what they say at the prayer, Father, I have asked you, so the youngest who asks the questions at the Passover, at the end of asking the questions, will say, Father, I have asked you four questions. Now please give me an answer. And I would translate that on sapphire stones too. Father, I have ascended four worlds. Now please give me an answer. It's Isaiah through absolute. And what is the answer? Proverbs 30 verse 4 says, What is his name and what is his son's name? If thou knowest. The verse goes on to ask, Who has ascended into heaven and descended? gathered the wind in his fist, and bound the waters in his garment, the mayim, the waters, the closed mem, closed mem, open mem, circumcised, dalet and mem replaced by hay above and hay below, shekinah above, shekinah below. Father, I have asked you four questions, now please give me an answer. What is his name? And what is his son's name, if thou knowest? The verse goes on to ask, Who has ascended into heaven and descended? New King James Version, Who has ascended into heaven or descended? Who has gathered the winds, the wind in his fists? Who has bound the waters in a garment? Who has established all the ends of the earth? What is his name and what is his son's name, if you know? The Aramaic Version is interesting in the realm of specialty napkin folding. What? Aramaic Bible in plain English. He said to me, Who went up to heaven and came down? And who is holding the wind, wind in his palms? Who has bound the waters in a napkin? What restaurant have you seen that at? You see it you on know, the fancy napkin folding. Who has bound the waters in a napkin? And who has established all the ends of the earth? What is his name? And what is his son's name, if you know? Hmm. Passover, Pesach, recap. Recap here, the gematria of Dalet is four. Four represents the matriarchs. Sarah, Rebecca, Rachel, and Leah, it represents the four created worlds as explained in absolute Berea, Yetzirah, and Asiah. In addition, Dalet signifies the four basic elements of creation, fire, air, water, earth, or energy, gas, liquid, solid. Four also, represents the holiday of Passover. Blood on the doorpost, Dalet, Passover. The four cups of wine, the four children, and the four questions. Dalet is the door, it looks like a doorpost. What was on the doorpost? The blood of the lamb. The meaning of Dalet is Dalet, a door. It also means doll, a poor person. Finally, the word Dalet represents Dilsoni, which means to lift me up. <laughs> Lifted up by the grace of the blood of the Lamb Jesus Christ through four worlds, Asaya, Yetzirah, Berea, and Absolute.
and then you say, Father, I've ascended four worlds. Please give me an answer. And what did Proverbs say? What is his son's name? What do you mean name? What are the four worlds? Yod, hey, vav, hey. And he answers you with what? The breath of his mouth, the holy Yuchita. Four blessings, four children. Blessed is the omnipresent one, blessed be he. Blessed is he who gave the Torah to his people Israel, blessed be he. The Torah speaks of four children, one wise, one wicked, one simple, and one who does not know how to ask. But you have not because you ask not. Hmm. Four blessings, four children. Blessed is the omnipresent. In the passage, we bless God four times, corresponding to the four Torah passages that instruct us to retell the Exodus. Cosmic Exodus. The omnipresent means literally the place. The omnipresent, literally the place. Why do we provide an appellation for God and call him the place? For he is the place of the world, whereas his world is not his place. The world is contained in him, not he in it. That's Bereshit Rabbah 68 verse 9. Again, YHVH is a location, cosmic GPS. In him we live and move and have our being. John 15, 1 through 11, Amplified Classic. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Any branch in me that does not bear fruit that stops bearing, he cuts away, trims, takes off away, and he cleanses and repeatedly prunes every branch that continues to bear fruit to make it bear more and richer and more excellent fruit. You are cleansed and pruned already because the word which I have given you, the teachings I have discussed with you. You are cleansed and pruned already because the word which I have given you, the teachings I have discussed with you. Dwell in me. Remember, location, a place. And I will dwell in you. yad heh vav What is that? The world's. Asaya, Yetzirah, Berea, Absolute. yad heh vav heh Live in me, and I will live in you. Just as no branch can bear fruit of itself without abiding in, being vitally united to the vine, neither can you bear fruit unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever lives in me and I in him bears much abundant fruit. However, apart from me, cut off from vital union with me, right? That's uncircumcision, not climbing the rungs, not in union with YHVH, not in union abiding on the rungs of the tree of life, Jesus Christ, of Isaiah, Yetzirah, Berea, Absolute. Apart from me, cut off from vital union with me on sapphire stones. You can do nothing. If a person does not dwell in me, he is thrown out like a broken off branch and withers. Such branches are gathered up and thrown into the fire, and they are burned. If you live in me, abide vitally united to me, and my words remain in you. How do they remain in you? Remember, those words are on the sapphire stones, which means in union with that sapphire stone, it abides in you. As long as you stay within the gates of heavenly Jerusalem, the city of peace, Salem, Shalom, peace, city of peace, kingdom of heavenly peace, cosmic peace. And my words remain in you and you continue to live. My words remain in you and continue to live in your hearts. Ask whatever you will and it shall be done for you when you bear, produce much fruit. My father is honored and glorified. 
When you bear fruit on cosmic sapphire stones engrafted into the tree of life, Jesus Christ, the sapphire stone body of Christ, my Father is honored and glorified, and you show and prove yourselves to be true followers of mine. I have loved you just as the Father has loved me. Abide in my love. Continue in his love with me. If you keep my commandments, if you continue to obey my instructions, you will abide in my love and live on in it. Just as I have obeyed my Father's commandments and live on in his love. I have told you these things that my joy and delight may be in you, and that your joy and gladness may, gladness may be of full measure and complete and overflowing. So they talk about the four childs, the four questions, the four cups, but there is a fifth child, Bueller. Bueller, anyone seen Bueller? What's this fifth child they're talking about? Unfortunately, there is in our time of confusion and obscurity another kind of Jewish child, the kind who is conspicuous by his absence from the Passover service. The one who has no interest whatsoever in Torah or God's commandments, who is not even aware of the cedar of the exodus from Egypt and the subsequent revelation. Mm -hmm. Don't be that child. Absent. Never showing up to Torah study. Never showing up into the presence of God. Just another day, another day, another dollar. Four blessings, four children. Mm-hmm. They have the wise child. Hey, yeah. We don't have to go into all the details on that one, but the wise child, what does the wise one say? What are the testimonies, the statutes, and the laws that God our God has commanded to you? Deuteronomy 6.20 You should respond to him as the Torah commands. We were slaves to Pharaoh in Egypt, and also instruct him in all the laws of Passover, up to and including its final law. Final law of Passover, doesn't that sound interesting? After, okay, final law of Passover. After eating the Passover offering, one should not then conclude the meal with dessert, which would wash away the taste of the Passover offering. But what did the Spirit show us about concluding the Passover on sapphire stones? We talked about the fast days becoming the feast days when they're fulfilled in Christ on sapphire stones. Right, that's when instead of Yom Kippur, they, well, they call it Yom HaKippurim, which is related to Purim, and Esther, which is a, a feast and a celebration. So at the fulfillment of Mashiach, Yom Kippur goes from being this fasting and the sorrow to the feasting and the rejoicing in Torah. And what is Simchat Torah, ninth world? When we talked about the Passover, they're talking about the four, the mystery of the four, the four worlds who go up through absolute. And then what is, what is his name, the Aleph? the breath of his mouth in the eighth world, Adam Kadmon, to complete the name of his son, his name yad Hey vav Hey, the Aleph, the breath of his mouth, the apex of the yad Hey vav Hey, those eight worlds. Concluding in week nine, Simchat Torah, rejoicing in Torah, dancing with Torah, throwing cakes to children. 
sweet pastry of the sweetness, the goodness of God. It is that supernal sweetness. The cakes, the birthday cake of Simchat Torah to the children on sapphire stones to wash away the bitterness. In the old covenant, oral tradition, which is Kabbalah interpretation of Moses, what he saw on sapphire stones and his explanation to Aaron and to the 70 elders and then to the congregation of Israel, they would say, come and see. And even in the New Testament, you'll see in the books and the writings of John, when the angel says, come and see. Right? What does that indicate? It indicates the mystic level interpretation of the word of God. That's Kabbalah, come and see. But when Jesus came, what did he say? Taste and see that the Lord is good. The sweetness, that honey cake, that sweet manna, like honey. The anointing. Milk and honey, promised land of milk and honey. The pastry, the mystery of the pastry in the word of God. You can look that up. It's a good homework assignment or a fun thing to do. The oral tradition of Jesus Christ, New Testament, is taste and see. Don't just take my word for it. Yes, take the word and receive it as an impartation. But now you walk in it. Now you know the Lord. In the oral tradition of Moses, they teach that the only way that God can be known is through the rungs. And you find that it's true. Your first ability to perceive and attain or grasp who God is and to know him clearly with understanding and through experience, without witchcraft, without uncircumcision that blocks the light or permeates the light, you know, abuses and changes and maligns the light, doesn't understand the light, uses it for selfishness under Jezebel's tower, is taste and see that the Lord is good. Receive the circumcisions of heart so you can enjoy the Passover lamb and the dessert, the sweetness, not the bitterness, the milk and honey of the promised land of the above and below realms, washing away the bitterness of the exodus of Egypt. So in the New Testament, New Covenant Passover, at that conclusion, you taste and see that the Lord is good. And so that fulfillment of the law brings in the new eternal covenant that after eating the Passover offering, you should conclude the meal with dessert, which is Simchat Torah, rejoicing in Torah, the cakes to the children. You must be as a child to enter the kingdom. The wise child. True wisdom refers to the absolute awareness of God. Know that he is the source and sustenance of everything and yet transcends everything. This is the deeper meaning of the Talmudic saying, who is wise? The one who sees what is born. Read simply, this means that the wise foresee the consequences of their actions and behave accordingly. On a deeper level, it means that the wise perceive that all existence is born, comes into being, and continues to exist by God's will without which nothing can exist. Or in other words, the wise children of God perceive the cosmic generations of sapphire stones, of the birthing of the divine child, 
Christ within you, the hope of realizing the glory. Four cups symbolize our freedom from four exiles. We were liberated from Pharaoh's four evil decrees, slavery, the ordered murder of all male progeny by Hebrew midwives, which is murdering the inner child, the spirit, the drowning of all Hebrew boys in the Nile by Egyptian thugs, the decree ordering all Israelites to collect their own straw for use, use in their brick production, works of the flesh. Four cups corresponding to four redemptions in Exodus 6, 6 through 7, God describes the redemption from Egypt with four verbs. Number one, I will take you out from under the burdens of Egypt, and I will rescue you from their bondage. That's number two, I will rescue you from their bondage. Three, I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great retributions. And four, I will take you to me as a people. These four verbs become known as four redemptions by which God assured Israel that he would redeem them from four kingdoms destined to subjugate them, namely Babylonia, so that's Babylon, Persia, Greece, and Rome. All of which principalities we have interacted with heavily in the last several months, rising on cosmic sapphire stones. The four cups also correspond to four rungs. The four cups of wine respond to the four Sephardic rungs, Netzah, Had, Yasad, and Shekinah, or Hesed, Gevra, Tifret, and Shekinah, which all unite on the first night of Pesach, the first night of Passover. By drinking the four cups of wine, Israel stimulates and shares a joy of divine union. By being linked with this Shekinah, Israel attains all four rungs. It is known as the holy joy of the Passover. This symbolizes the cup of the new covenant in Jesus Christ, the blood of the Lamb. The cup is to take you up four worlds from Messiah to absolute. That's grace to rise. That's what the cup of the new covenant is for. Not for selfishness, not for vainglory, not for deceit, not for boys in gold and glory, not for girls in gold and glory, not for uncircumcision of heart but grace to rise by receiving the circumcisions of heart, the cup of the new covenant. According to the Torah, Pesach, Passover, is to be celebrated for seven days. Asiah through Absolute, that's Asiah, Asiah of Yetzirah, Yetzirah of Yetzirah, Berea of Yetzirah, Absolute of Yetzirah, Berea and Absolute. Seven days, Passover, practicing the presence of God. Now there is a fifth cup poured for Elijah. And at the end of the meal, it's poured back into the bottle and they say it's reserved until the time of the Mashiach. What? You mean the cup of Elijah is for the time of the Mashiach, Jesus? It's been reserved for the kingdom age. Here is what the Jews say about the... I'm going to have some right now. Grace to rise. Here is what the Jews say about the four cups and the fifth cup. The first four elements of the redemption are something that we are to drink, to actively pursue and realize ourselves. It is within our power to overcome all that limits and enslaves us both physically and spiritually, both without and within, to develop our potential for freedom and exercise this freedom as a freedom to fulfill our mission as God's people as communicated to us at Sinai. But the final 
and culminating level of redemption. It is, I will bring you, it's the I will bring you element, which shall be fully realized only in the era of Mashiach. It's something that transcends human effort. This is not a cup we can drink on our own. We can only bring ourselves to the threshold of this divinely perfect world through the active realization of the first four expressions of redemption, the first four worlds. The drinking of the fifth cup awaits Elijah, the herald of the final and ultimate redemption. I just saw a big angel flash over drinking on the computer yeah. screen. The drinking of the fifth cup awaits Elijah, the herald of the final and ultimate redemption <laughs> that resonates on the sapphire stone worlds, just as getting into the sun is if the Father permits, going on to advance training in righteousness. When you go into Keter, Adam Kadbon, the door to the multiverse at the top of Absolute, the fourth cup. If God permits, we may enter the door to the multiverse, the fifth cup. Or the fifth soul, the Yachita soul, is the final and ultimate of the path of Elijah of five loaves and two fishes in the time of men. Of the first five, John the Baptist was the greatest. Of five loaves, I'll say it again, of five loaves and two fishes in the time of men. I heard someone think, this is the time of the elves, I'm getting my elvish crown. Okay, yes, yes, yes. Got throwing the Lord of the Rings lore in there when you can. But of five loaves, but in the Torah, in five loaves and two fishes in the time of men, of the first five, John the Baptist was the greatest. Yet everyone in the kingdom age, Jesus said, would be greater. Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist, yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. What is that? The Malkut of Shekinah. That means of those circumcised of Malkut standing on the moon, clothed in the sun. The one who is least in that kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Kingdom here is the equivalent of circumcised Malkut standing on the moon, clothed with the sun. In the Greek, it also means rule or reign, indicating the rule of the kingdom age. This is the time of the two fish. Not just the five loaves of Torah, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, or the five loaves of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, even greater than the seven loaves of Mark 8. Write this one down. Even greater than the loaves, the seven loaves of Mark 8, verse 1 through 8. That's the 818 glory. Some of you have been seeing 818. Even greater than the seven loaves of Mark 8, 1 through 8. How many loaves do you have? Jesus asked. Seven, they replied. The two fish are the adaptation of the oral tradition of Jesus Christ, fulfillment of the oral tradition of Moses, flying fish. Not nefesh below, hmm. but fish above in the cloud. That is the meat of the word. The best of the church age is up to seven loaves at the top of Malkut. And we saw a license plate driving here. 
It was the two ends, the two mm-hmm. fish, seven, seven, seven. Amen. Five loaves and two fish are the written and oral New Testament and the five lower souls of Malkut or Asaya through the crowning of Absolute to receive the Yachita, the fifth soul, at the cup of Elijah, and the two hidden souls of the higher, more concealed worlds of the ninth and tenth world, the two souls, the two cosmic fish, or you could say the two supernal roses, right? The first one being the red rose, after the Yachita, the first one, the white rose, then you have the red rose, and there's another rose after that. That um, well, it just takes me back to studying. I think it was the Heaven Waits the Bride, and how the Father loves the rose gardens. He's growing roses, those higher worlds. Those are the best perfume from roses. Yeah, that's what we're perfuming today too. Roses. Oh, this the, and these roses. You have a hint of them in what's that the garden one called? Yeah, uh, it's called fragrance of his garden. Yeah, the the latest fragrance of his garden that was created. Uh, I think it was today you created it. Yep. Was absolutely incredible, beautiful rose fragrance. And saying that as a red, having a red rose soul of the ninth week. Rose de my, it's Damascus rose and ambrette. The finest rose, um, essential oil and absolute oil in the world. All of them, even like the Ascension, I was shocked. All of the these perfumes, as Brandon has risen on sapphire stones, have completely gone to the next level. <laughs> to the point where I had to really restrain myself from jealousy because I've got almost a full bottle at my other place of Ascension. And the new one that he made was just on another level. I said, surely this person who received this is going to go to the moon. I have no doubts about it. Like, you know, this is insane. And the, the, the other one, the cross, what was yeah, the... The new fragrance of the cross. Absolutely incredible. And that's why I reserve the creative freedom to up, you know, upgrade the ingredients. It doesn't change the ingredient list, but just let the ingredients grow like the Garden of Eden from glory to glory. Mm-hmm. So every fragrance in heaven continues to evolve and grow mm-hmm. in sweetness and in perfume. That's the best part of the perfuming is seeing them go glory to glory mm-hmm. on sapphire stones, which gives us an understanding that your business, as you rise, will go glory to glory. That's what it means to be God of the living and not the dead, that it's still living. It's uh, ever increasing whatever it is from God. Amen. Ever increasing glory. So the five loaves and two fish are the written and oral New Testament and the five lower souls of Malkut or Isaiah through the crowning of absolute to receive the Yachita fifth soul, the cup of Elijah, and the two hidden souls of the higher, more concealed worlds of the ninth and tenth world, the two souls, two cosmic fish, or the two supernal roses beyond the white rose, all the way unto eternal oral tradition, eleventh mm. world glory, on and on without end. That's the Ein, eternal oral tradition. Eleventh world, which is eternity and beyond. Back to the Dalet, the blood on the doorpost. The Dalet represents Shekinah, the tent opening, the door opening. Some of you may have seen 444, the open door. That's the Dalet. From above, from be- or so from below to above, Dalet Vav. You may want to write that one down. From below to above, Dalet. It's D-A-L-E-T, Dalet Vav. From below to above, Dalet Vav. Almost rhymed. 
Mm-hmm. Mm. 444, the open door. Dalet symbolizes the Garden of Shekinah, who is sometimes described as Dala, poor, until she is filled with the riches of emanation from above. Right, that's the Dalet being replaced with the hay of the tetragrammaton formed in you as you receive the cosmic circumcision. You make room for the glory. You make room for the Shekinah Orchard. <laughs> oh, it feels nice. Until she is filled with the riches of emanation from above. That sounds like something good to do with your life. Yod. Wisdom. Yod. Wisdom. Ooh, man. Yod. Keter. Hakma. Vav. Six. Tiferet. Dalet. Shekinah. Four cups, four questions. What about four chariots? This was not included in the Jewish website. But it is in the oral tradition, amen. From this side, emanate four chariots. And from that side, emanate four chariots. Four worlds. For each one branches into four. Four species. Four winds. Four corners of heaven. Each chariot is four when rungs are contemplated. Likewise, all of them are four by four. Next time your buddy asks you to grab one of the, a four by four, your mind is going to be in the supernal realms, contemplating mysteries of Shekinah and your ascension through four worlds with a heavenly Passover. Will there be dessert? That's all I'm asking. Okay. Yes, there will be dessert. Likewise, all of them are four by four through the mystery of the holy name until rungs extend below to the site called by the mystery of the holy name Adonai. Is the Shema really the Shema until you can stand upon the supernal apex of the name of Adonai? Yad, hey, bav, hey. To those chariots that are sustained and moved by this name, they are called mountains of bronze, Zechariah 6.1. For there are mountains, and then there are mountains. There are higher mountains and lower mountains, and they are stationed at three sides emerging from gold, silver, and bronze. Bronze below, on account of those chariots emanating from Aleph, Dalet, Nun, Yad, Adonai, within the first hall, which are the four chariots emanating from those two spirits right and left in sapphire pavement. Those two spirits, which we have mentioned there, are called two mountains, and they are mountains of bronze. And from those two spirits called mountains of bronze emanate those four chariots that wield that name of Aleph, Dalet, embedded in Sandalphon, prince of the countenance, who we know as Elijah, the fifth cup of Passover for the time of the Mashiach, which is the kingdom age, when you ascend four worlds, and if God permits, enter in through that supernal door into the multiverse, the fifth cup, receiving the Achita soul, which is you'll never thirst again for the presence of God continually felt and dwelling within you wherein there is no longer separation between your soul and God indwelling within you imminent able to be felt to be grasped and measure by measure rung by rung as you continue to ascend into 
Yan. Amen. It's rich. <laughs> it's good. I guess we could throw a little cherry on top of the Sunday and say that Enoch cleaved to the supernal light from which the luminaries were created and drawn on the fourth day of creation. And we talked about the timelines, the calendars. Now, it turns out, matter of fact, the uh, Freemasons who understand in wickedness, not all Freemasons, you understand this, but those high-ranking who communicate with the enemy side that are against righteousness, have been using a specific calendar when they talk about the general public calendar, 2023. They call that the vulgar calendar, you know, for the commoners like us, like the little people. <laughs> 2023. But on every lodge certificate, they'll put some, like for today's date, they would write 6,023. Now, Brendan has had the wisdom on this for many years, so it turns out in righteousness, we know that it's 6,023, and in wickedness, they know it's 6,023. So then just like all the little people in the valley, it's just the Hebrew year 5787 seven something, 2023, you know. Why is that? It's because they believe that Jesus Christ was born 4,000 years from the day of creation, and the calendar points to Christ as a Messiah 1 AD, there's creation, 4,000 years, Jesus is born. And everything revolves around Jesus. The Hebrew calendar of the Pharisees, they have it changed, they have it switched a little bit, they have all the different things that they do. Why? So that it doesn't point to Jesus as the Messiah, the son of righteousness of Malachi. That's it. And I go through, you know, look in all the documents, you know, I looked up on, found some of their websites and certificates, and sure enough, they understand. What was on the fourth day? What's so important? If Enoch cleaved to the supernal light from which the luminaries are created and drawn on the fourth day of creation, who was he clinging to? What was he clinging to? You see? What was the luminary? If the What's the pattern of creation? The pattern of sapphire stones. Pattern of sapphire stones. So if on the fourth day, a day is like a thousand years, if Christ was born on the fourth day, then does that mean all the sun, the moon, and the stars belong to him, or in him, formed in him, and by him, and through him, to him, and for him, and it's all his? Mm. Oh, yeah. Born the fourth day, and the fourth day was the creation of the sun, moon, and stars in Genesis 1. So clinging to Mashiach of Jesus the fourth day, it's the power of the luminaries. It's the path of lightning's home to Father God in heaven. <laughs> Amen. So Christ born 4,000 years after creation would align with a day like a 1,000 years as a cosmic fulfillment of this day in the Bible, according to the Bible, on the fourth day of creation, God created the sun, moon, and stars, and other heavenly bodies. God placed these bodies in the heavens to give light to the earth, divide day from night, and create seasons. The fulfillment of the cosmic prophecy of Malachi 4.2, the sun of righteousness. 
Teach on all of the the year stuff some other time. Yeah, that's but, um, good. Really awesome confirmation that uh, all of the highest level Masonic sons of Satan, which is the priesthood of the the principalities, that's really what they are. They all know that it's truly in the Jewish calendar six thousand twenty three right now. Yeah. And the pagan, the vulgar calendar, is the twisting of it by two hundred forty years, so that no one understands that Messiah runs the fourth day of sun, moon, and stars of Genesis 1. So that's why they call themselves the keepers of the light. That's the model of Freemasonry because it's the stealing of the fourth day mm. of sun, moon, and stars. And it's, a, it's all just Luciferian wisdom of how Satan can steal the kingdom from the Messiah and steal the kingdom from from Jesus and his people to this day and almost all Christians to this day to this moment do not understand that Messiah mm -hmm. runs the light of sun moon and stars and the pathway home of home of lightnings to God the Father in heaven so the restoring righteousness and the teachings of righteousness to Christianity is restoring mm -hmm. the path of lightnings and the keeping of light and the pathway of light, the government of light, the government of moon, the government of sun, the government of stars, all belong to Messiah Jesus Christ, born the fourth day, created the sun, moon, and stars the fourth day, all pointing to his works. And he's the creator and the savior, both. And he's he walked right through his creation home, Acts chapter 1. <laughs> he created it and used it as his own stairway yeah. back to his father in Acts chapter 1. Like, if I'm going to go down there, let's at least put a ladder And there. when did he do it? <laughs> he did it in the year, the Jewish year 4000, because it's the fourth day of Genesis 1. Amen. And so with that important uh, documentation and scribing of righteousness, we have a team of scribes working on organizing organizing these things, making easy to understand and see charts, mm. to put all these teachings together in righteousness and organize them for this generation, for people to go up sapphire stones. With that said, we are in need of a platform uh, to organize and collaborate. And we have had multiple confirmations, signs and wonders on this one uh, specific uh, site. And so to get that collaboration and have that subscription, uh, that's going to be about uh, $500 for a year. Uh, which 500 think, annually yeah, for annually. us to scribe righteousness. Yep. We have a group of scribes anointed by God mm -hmm. in this Red Letter Ministries right now. And we're in need of scribal tools in order yes. to record things, um, put things together for future mm -hmm. publication to teach righteousness. Mm -hmm. And so this, we what we're using right now, it's not working. it deletes the information after 30, 30 days. days. Like this message will self-destruct. So it's just not, it's just not working. You can save stuff to computer, but we want the best tools because we're teaching the best material yep. in the universe. It deserves mm -hmm. the best technology and we've discovered it. It's been illuminated to us and we need... Yeah, the angels picked it out. Yeah. So the here's the thing. The holy angels didn't get it wrong. We've got confirmation that this is an angelic order and instruction. So we're just simply pre uh, presenting the financial need 
for that instruction. Now here is also it's very special. The, ben the benefit of these scribes. So as Brian and I are going up, we're recording and we're speaking. I'm scribing a lot of what we've gone through for so many worlds high and we continue to orate and scribe. There just does not exist enough time to go back through every world, every rung and write. Why? Because when the first wave of us going through has mainly been battles with principalities, cosmic principalities, it's a different game than, you know, on Malkut. So we're mainly warring, yes, also scribing and doing the oration here. But what's beneficial is we have many others who are now rising, who are documenting and recording what's working, how they've applied what we've taught, what did it look like specifically in their situation, and what we're finding is those detailed reports. When others read them, now they're going up. It's because it's Priceless more detailed. Revolution. Yep. So the more we have you guys documenting your experience as you rise, it's beneficial to know what did you do that it didn't work, and then what did you do that it worked? What did you, you know, take from Joel's bar and you applied it? In what ways did you think you were applying it, but it was really just like, you know, the pride nature and then you find out and then you go back and you fix it. That is such valuable information. When Enoch ascended rungs, he obtained the name from God in first Enoch called scribe mm -hmm. of righteousness. Yep. So once you're ascending moon, sun and stars through fourth day Messiah, it must be written down. And so there is a writing down of the two fish, the oral tradition of the New Testament that hasn't happened before that we're beginning to do. And so that work is going to take many, many scribes, mm -hmm. many, many prophetic people, mature people that have the circumcisions that are living on the rungs of moon, sun and stars with the angels to write this stuff mm -hmm. down, to map the whole mm -hmm. way home through oral Torah of the New Testament for all the future harvest of the souls who love Jesus Christ to come up and live on the stars for our one billion soul harvest. It's going to be scribed. It's going to be scribed like ancient times. It's going to be like scribed like Enoch. And so we want to raise the support of those that want to give into this cause because it's so incredible. $500 monthly fee for this program. Yearly? Oh, yeah. Yep, oh, the, yearly? The, oh, yeah. Yeah. It's oh, yeah. 500 yearly. Yearly, yeah. 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 500 yeah. yearly. So if you want to give into that, click any link in the description and sow into the scribes, scribing righteousness, mapping it out. Mm -hmm. We will also in the future compile it and there will be publications. We've seen them and it, they're going to come forth as powerful books. It's not going to be like church age publication. It's going to be oral Torah. It's going to be completely different. And oral Torah oral revelation, the revelations of the written Torah, the written New Testament, have all the power to uproot all the evils in the world. This is how the red dragon, the beast, and the false prophet are thrown into the lake of fire scribes by, of by scribes of righteousness, scribing the oral tradition of the New Testament, which mm -hmm. is the highest level interpretation mm -hmm. of the written New Testament. <laughs> And you can see our people on sapphire stones with like thousand pound <laughs> millstones on the dragon's head. It is written. Bam. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. Gandalf times 10,000. Amen. So bless you guys. Thank you for watching tonight. Thank you for supporting the, you. the scribes of righteousness and valuing the writing. 
and all the future scribes that will come and, and learn how to scribe righteousness as they receive the inscriptions of the apostles in their hearts. Amen. Amen. And help those in this generation and the generation that's coming up, that's rising, to make it easier and more accessible for them to walk in it. Let's show them the way home to the Father. Amen. Amen. Bless you guys. Thank we'll you. see you tomorrow.
Keep it 